You're listening to Fan Holes, a podcast for fans by the fans. Secret Brothers. I have clinical. You guys are like wasting my time right now. Hey, baby. What's <laughs> going on? This is my microphone voice. <laughs> Where do you buy those that? I need one. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I didn't invent honorable mentions, mister. <laughs> I have a headset. It looks way cool. You should all be jealous. I, uh, we are. I'm with Mike on that one. I'm a woman! <laughs> it is our show. It's called Fan Holes, not, you know, what you guys want. <laughs> <laughs> We do a podcast? What the fuck? Hey guys, welcome back to another exciting episode of Fan Holes Podcast and continuing our month-long countdown to Transformers Age of Extinction. I know you're all totally excited. Woo! So um, yeah, we're, we're, we're basically doing an all Transformers month here at Fan Holes. And if you've listened to the last two podcasts, you will know that We've covered Transformers Universe, the Marvel comic book series, which is much like Marvel, the official handbook of the Marvel Universe, or DC's DC Comics, who's who in the DC Universe. They're all profiles of all the Transformer characters that had been released up to that point. And so, of course, now we are on the third tantalizing issue. I know you want to say it, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> the tantalizing issue. Do, do you like the way like Sledge's neck is shiny and, and, and firm, like the way it's looking at you? Are you tantalized by Sledge's neck on the cover? Is it? I, I'm just more worried about Slag's rape face. He, just, <laughs> he looks well, Slag's all set. He's like, give me boobs now. <laughs> He's all into I'm, it. I'm just wondering if the fourth issue is going to say, like, fourth bonerific issue. <laughs> Well, it does say continuing a four-issue guide to the biggest stars of TV, movies, and comics. <laughs> so, yeah, the, mov- the movies thing is kind of a hyperbole. Didn't they, like, bomb, like, sort of? Well, movies plural, did, were there more than one? Like there was That's true, yeah. One movie. But I guess it doesn't sound as cool to say, like, the biggest stars of TV, a movie, <laughs> they could just said film and maybe got away with it. Yeah, maybe film. So we've we've got uh, three of the Dinobots staring at us on this cover, um, and then of course across the way from them in that gatefold spread, um, we can see Shockwave. And what you'll notice is it's all the S, the letter S characters. It's uh, Sludge, Slag, not Autobot Slag, not Slug. It's Slag. And uh, it is Snarl, the uh, conspicuously absent, except for, like, I don't know, his left nut in uh, Transformers the movie, uh, Dinobot. So, yeah. And then, uh, you know, of course, the the uh, typified uh, cover here has profile face headshots of all these various Transformers. And this time they're all colored in blue. 
So I guess when we uh, we open up the first letter we're going with, we're going from like the the R's to the the far S's here in issue number three. So we're opening up with Rampage. Uh, Rampage is a Decepticon. His subgroup is Predacon. His function is a gunner. His first appearance is Transformers issue number 25. And his quote is, Those who conquer act. Those who are conquered think. So you know what he thinks about thinkers. And uh, Rampage, for me, was uh, one of my first Predacons that I ever had. I I remember Brian, before in the, the previous segments, he was talking about how the cat's were some of the best Predacons, and I, I definitely remember having a lot of fun playing around with Rampage. I remember being able to take the, the rifle he's got there. I think he actually came with two rifles with the, the toy action figure. He, he came with two rifles and a sword. Yeah, and you, you could put those rifles, like, on his shoulders, so they could be, like, some kind of, I don't know, cat cannons or what have you. So. <laughs> I will say this for Rampage, a uh, quick plug, 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 plug. Me and Mike actually collaborated on a Rampage mosaic for the Transformers. I did the coloring, and he did the writing. Um, who did the art for that? Um, oh, man, I should have looked that up. Well, someone very talented did, I know for sure. But, yeah, it was, it, what do you call it? It was a very, it was a very nice piece, and it, it, was, it was hilarious, if I do say so myself, having wrote, written it. Yeah, it was a very uh, comedic piece, because apparently uh, Rampage, despite being a horrible... Dis- destructive uh, Predacon. He is docile when watching TV, and uh, our good friend Mike decided to take that uh, interesting uh, value and make a comedic piece about him watching TV for oh, so many hours. <laughs> yes. Nice. Uh, yeah, I like See, Rampage. I, I remember piece. that. That was a cute kind of piece that you guys did. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like Rampage. Like That, that was like the... the, the the point in this profile here that says, like, like Tony said, like he's entranced by, like television. I thought that was really funny. So, like, you know, he's probably. I'd say he's like my favorite of the five Predacons, or the original ones at least. Well, the, the Predacons are all very cool. I mean, when you were a kid in like the '80s, I'm sure Brian will totally back me up on this, and you too, of course, Mike. Like. If you got Predaking or even just one Predacon, I mean even Derek, I mean Derek likes the old school guys. If you got like a Predacon, you were you were riding pretty high on like the uh popularity meter as far as your friends, you know. Yeah. Well they weren't like scramble guys, so they actually like were good toys. Like they weren't little stumps with arms and legs, basically. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, they they had some discernible weight to them, you know, there were still some I mean, albeit by this point, a lot of the Transformers were all still plastic, but I, I remember there being, like, there, there were some, like, metal pieces on there, weren't there? Yeah. So, like, I, it I wasn't like, so, yeah. you know, like some of the, the, the pieces, so it wasn't like it was an insubstantial toy and stuff. I'm just looking at the quote where it says, like, the more mindless the program, the more Rampage is entranced. I'm like, wow, Rampage would, like, have a blast in 2013. Shoring it up all night. Sitting there watching all kinds of reality TV, just soaking Uh, it uh, all in. A fun little note uh, that says the first appearance is Transformers 25. Um, Pretty sure Michael backed me up on this. Originally, uh, Rampage and his fellow Predacons were called in to take down Megatron. Yes, we. I think we. Yeah, didn't you? Mean, this is one of Derek's like favorite issues. Yeah, yeah, I, I like it. Yeah, 
Yeah, we talked about that a little bit, but I mean, it, it, it's a great issue. I mean, I, I think it's a great issue of Transformers. I always have fun watching like Megatron go ape shit and, you know, laying the smack down on people that were, you know, I, you know, even in the cartoons, it seemed like more like, you know, the Dinobots showed up and Megatron would kind of piss his pants and fly off and shout retreat. But in the comics, it was definitely, you know, Megatron was a force to be reckoned with no matter who it was and who was, uh, combining into a gestalt or whatever. To, to be fair, the Predacons did put up a pretty good fight, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm, I'm going to mention this just because I'm looking at it right now. It's in front of me. But apparently uh, Rampage in this artwork only has one tooth on his <laughs> tiger head. <laughs> <laughs> he's a snaggle tooth. It's to get out of his egg sac when he's first born. Most, <laughs> most reptiles have those. I maybe think maybe it's just the coloring. Yeah, I was gonna oh, say. Yeah. I think that's that weird like lightning bolt weird like design on his chest that's like colored only on one side. But I don't oh know. yeah, that could be. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It is it is perfectly placed though for a tooth. Yeah, pretty funny. Well, like they, unless that's like a jaw, and that's like the bottom of his chin. Yeah, it looks, like, it looks like they dumped like yellow paint over his eyes in robot mode too. Like his his tiger eyes, like they couldn't like find the real ones or whatever. Yeah, but 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 guys, can you tell he's a Decepticon? I mean, there's not enough symbols on him. <laughs> oh yeah, huh? <laughs> he's got the he's got the dual breasted <laughs> chest plate. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, but that's all I had to say. But I, I I had to give a shout out to Mike because that really was a great script. All I did was color it. That was that was pretty much his baby. So. Thank you. Sweet. All right. So moving on to the next page, we've got yours and mine's favorite energy conservationist senator guy who makes gloomy <laughs> car washes. We've got Ratbat. Yeah. So Ratbat is a Decepticon. His function is Fuel Scout, which they certainly played up in the comic books. And his first appearance was Transformers issue number 27. His quote is, the road is my dinner plate. I love Ratbat. Like, I, I've, I, I will always love, like, leader of the Decepticons, Ratbat. Just like, <laughs> I don't know. I always, yeah. I always thought that was the weirdest fucking thing ever. Like, I, I never would have seen it going in that direction in a yeah. million years. I, I love, on the TF Wiki, like, there's a the picture of, like, Ratbat giving, like, commands to Soundwave, like, in the Marvel comic. And the quote is, in Soviet Russia, tape commands you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I, I, I think I think the problem was, you know, is like a lot of us who are longtime Transformers fans, you know, there's only so much you can do with Megatron. He is not a bad character, but you, you kind of get burned out on the whole, like, you know, like, manifest destiny, I will lead the Decepticons, brah, crush everything in my path. I mean, he's not a bad character, but it's kind of nice to throw these weird, odd, you know, kind of scrub characters in there. But at the same time, you know, Ratbat, I mean, he, he didn't do a bad job. He did his own job as far as being a leader. Well, he, I think he has some of that, like, buzzsaw, like, fan aura where, like, there's, like, moments where he'll, like, knock over Fortress Maximus or whatever, like, in the comic book or whatever, so. Yeah, and he, and he is a great design. I mean, I mean, he's probably one of the best tapes out there. Yeah. True. He has a good toy too, yeah, and 
I know they're they're com- as of this recording they haven't what do you call released it, but I know he's going to get a masterpiece like release with the sound blaster uh, repaint oh, nice. of mm-hmm. yeah masterpiece. Oh, uh, yeah, so I wonder does, yeah. I, I wonder if that's going to be cool like how Brian was talking about the other masterpiece tapes like if his his little you know backpack engines and stuff will be part of the the tape mode you know direct part of his transformation because that'd be cool mm-hmm. to see. Very nice, yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's fun- uh, oh, good. I was just going to say, it's funny how, like, you know, they also have to make, like, him, like, I, I guess it, uh, um, for him to be a leader, like, I guess, like, later on, like, in Dreamwave and IDW, they, like, kind of, like, try and reconcile it by yeah, saying... Yeah, I was, I was like, about to bring that up. Yeah, they had to, had, like, give him He back had a break. robot mode, but then they, like, sort of shrunk him or whatever. Yeah, he, he was he was he used to be a senator, and apparently he was such a giant douchebag that uh, when things went for the worse on his end, not for the Decepticons, but just on him personally, they were like, "Yeah, Rat Bat, we don't really need you to be a robot now, so we're just going to make you a fucking bat. So deal with that, <laughs> you know." But did it, they it was, try to tie that in at all with those like energy conservation mindset? Like, was a smaller form for him? Beneficial well, in actually, that way. Actually, um, like in the most recent issue of Robots in Disguise, like it's sort of a origin story for Soundwave, and like it's it, it like they have like Soundwave like going to work for Senator Ratbat, and they make like all of Soundwave's cassettes like Ravage and Laserbeak, sort of like that disposable class like of Transformer, like Rewind was, where they're like treated as like second class citizens. They 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 are really seen I mean I mean I know they're animals but they are seen as pets almost. Yeah. So like and it, like Ratbat kinda like calls like, you know, Ravage and Laserbeak, oh you're like little beasts here or like, you know, whatever. Like and, and so like eventually they tie that into like Megatron Origin where Soundwave is like, Okay, well you wanna be a douche? Well you're gonna be one of these like little disposable like pieces of crap. Like no <laughs> offense, Ravage and Ravage is like none taken. <laughs> no yeah. but yeah, I, I think that's like probably one of the like one of the best like Decepticon origins though is like you have this really high like you know fluting uh, senator and he gets brought down so hard and he yeah. thinks he's so great and he just gets turned into a fucking cassette he like turns into a smallest transformer and he doesn't even have a robot mode as far as like a bipedal like two arms two legs a head he's got wings and he's got a face and like it's it's funny because. He still has ambition because, like, you know, okay, we won't go into this too far, but as Mike knows, in Robots in Disguise, you know, he actually takes control of the Decepticons again in the first few issues. Yeah. I was, I was thinking about, like, the toy design, and, like, even compared to the original tapes, when I got Rat Bat, I was kind of like, oh, he must be of a higher station than the other tapes because, you know, the other guys, like Frenzy and Rumble and Laserbeak, they all had, like, silver guns and backpack pieces. Yeah. But like rat bats were gold. So I was kinda I, like, I, oh. actually uh just for a fun little uh, trivia thing, Ratbat was re released with Frenzy and Frenzy actually did have gold weapons in that release. Ah, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. But uh and then the other thing that I was gonna mention about the the original toy was, man, it was a bitch to keep his ears like straight, like right. those were the those were the, the they were like these tiny little pieces, and they were like the first things that would like pop off and yeah. There's forever. many collectors who say that like if you get a rat bat with ears loose, you're 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 doing good. 
Yeah, the last thing I'll say about Rapat is like, how did he even get elected? Like, you know, it's like, how did how does this campaign go? You know, Rapat, a name you can trust, like <laughs> Senator Rat. Well, that, that's what that's what that reminds me of. It's like there's this <laughs> gas station, like when I go down a certain street, and it's not like a chain gas station. It's not like Shell or Chevron. It's a you know mom and pop gas station, but it's called Rotten Robbies. And I'm kind of like, who the fuck would get gas from a place called Rotten Robbie? Ratbats just sitting in the back, like yeah. in the like control room, just like Rotten Robbies is my fucking empire. <laughs> it's like, like so, so somehow somebody's going to vote for Senator Ratbat. I guess it's like yeah. the the right honorable Senator Scumbag. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a douche. You know it, but vote for me. <laughs> uh, I will. I will say this to in my uh, little quote on Ratbat, um, in the Shattered Universe, he is actually a Batman-esque character, because he's a hero. All the Decepticons are, uh, well, not all, but the majority of them are uh, heroes in this universe. And, again, promo plug, 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 plug. If you go on my DeviantArt page, I have been doing a Shattered Glass uh, retrospective of D1 covers, and I actually did do Car Wash of Doom as Ratbat being Batman and uh, taking down the horrible... This disgusting Spike Wigwiggy with a eye patch and his uh, Harley Quinn girlfriend. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Nice, cool. All right. So moving on from Rat Bat, we're moving on to an Autobot. It is the Autobot Medic. It is Ratchet, and his first appearance is Transformers issue number one. His quote is, "You break it, I'll remake it." So Ratchet. I- I mean, Ratchet had a lot of focus in the Transformers comics. I mean, and and he definitely had a lot of focus in the cartoons and even, you know, later incarnations, whether it be like Prime or Animated or anything like that. So, I mean, he seems to be definitely a a staple of the Transformers universe. Yeah, I'm going to throw it to Mike because Ratchet is somebody that, like, the creators and writers just love to death. I mean, he has been a constant for... For the whole 30 years. I mean, in every comic, he's, he's well, not every comic, but, like, the majority of the comics, he gets a focus. He went up against Megatron, and more than meets the eye, he's a major character. And, like I said, I would rather let Mike, who knows more about his influence, just talk about him, so... Well, I don't have much to say about Ratchet, really. I mean, he's he, I like Ratchet, but he's again like one of those guys like Optimus Prime and Bumblebee that are just like such a big tent pole that like I sort of can't separate him sometimes from being like a tent pole of the franchise than an actual character. But I will say that he much less so than like Prime or Bumblebee. Like I I love you know, I I love all the stories with Ratchet, like, in the early Marvel comics and, you know, whenever, even the later Marvel comics. And, you know, the the him him being fused with Megatron was, like, that was pretty, like, horrific looking. And I that's what I always think of when I think of Ratchet. And, and now, like, in More Than Meets the Eye, like, I love, um, what's his name, uh, Don Mesnick, I think, voiced him in, like, the original cartoon. Like, he's great, but, like, now I can't help but hear Je- Je- Jeffrey Combs, like, whenever yeah. Ratchet yeah. talks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for Primus' sake. Will someone keep him occupied so I can get some work done? Yeah, Jeffrey Combs is uh, the uh, prime voice actor, which, uh, you know, of course, for fan love, you would probably know him best as Wei Yoon or, uh, what was Sh- Shrag? Shrag, what's his name? 
Tran. Tran, Tran. Tran. Enterprise. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, he's, he's been in tons of stuff, though. I mean, oh, yeah, animator, yeah. like all kinds of stuff. He's a great actor, but yeah, it's always nice hearing uh, him do stuff, you know, whether it's Ratchet or he was the question on the Justice League. So, like, yeah, he did a lot of cool stuff. I think, like, for for me, like, the first time I remember reading stuff with Ratchet in it and, like, really getting into it was that there was a digest that I think reprinted, like, issues six through eight of Transformers. And so, like, it, it you know, basically it covered that two-issue story arc, you know, where he, you know, basically is the only Autobot that hasn't been disassembled in the arc and he's got to, re- you know, team up with, do this kind oh. of rival fusion with Megatron and go get Dinobots and yeah, all yeah, that yeah. stuff. So, I mean, you know, I always thought that was like a great comic and it, it kind of, you know, I guess well, yeah. for me that that's set in stone kind of how I see Ratchet for the most well, part. Know, the great thing about that comic, Derek, I remember reading those is like, they didn't build up Ratchet as this super badass. He was still a medic, and, like, he's going against Megatron. He's like, you know, I mean, not to, like, just sound vulgar, but he's like, what the fuck do I do? I'm going up against Megatron. And it was a really, it, it was really good, like, writing on that. Well, the ending was great, because it's like he runs at him with all his might, and then he just bounces off Megatron's <laughs> chest, and Megatron's just laughing his ass off, like, you little peon, but, like, that impact was enough to, you know, crack the foundation of the, you know, mountain or whatever they were standing on, which actually, you know, ends up leading to, you know, Megatron's temporary demise. So it's like, you know, it was a realistic way to handle it. And it was pretty, you know, a pretty cool story that, you know, it's like, all right, well, for now, like, I guess we're okay. Let's go back to the Ark and repair everybody and stuff like that. But of course, the, um, I guess, you know, talking about like I, I I don't know too much about the later toys, but of course, talking about the G one toy, it's kind of retreading the same old ground we were talking about with Ironhide. You know, oh yeah, it looks nothing again, like him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Flora Deary, you know, gives him some arms and a face and hands and all that kind of stuff. Whereas in the you know the toy, it's it, you know he has that little med contraption base with the tank treads and. You know, he's just kind of a windshield, and he's got his little face on the the front seat or whatever that is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it was it was a pretty horrible toy. I mean, it was the early '80s, but yeah, I mean, I don't give it a pass because it could have done better. But at the same time, I'm like, really, this is. I think is... I think for a long time I used um, what was the GoBot guy's name? Uh, Rescue. Yeah, I think I used Rescue as a as a as a ratchet, like a default ratchet. You know how Mike liked to use Metalhead as a Cyclops? Well Yeah. I, I I'd rate mine as like maybe a five, whereas Mike's is like on the low ten scale. But you know like <laughs> yeah. you know. But it was it was it was a de facto ratchet for a while before I actually had a ratchet. And then even after I had that ratchet I was like, nah, I might even go back to using the GoBot again, you know. What about what about you, Brian? Do you have any uh, insights on Ratchet since he's been such a big part of the comics, or are you more toy inclined? He's like whatever. Well, as far as the toy goes, much like Ironhide, I'm thankful I never had him as a kid because probably <laughs> would have turned me off to Transformers forever. Um, <laughs> but regarding the comics, I always felt like there was always a story that never got told, and it had to be like some you know wicked 
weekend of like debauchery and binge drinking that suddenly turned Ratchet off from being the party animal he introduced himself as. It's like being yeah. totally straight laced fix him up guy. Like I don't know if he got drunk and drove home and like hit some kid on a bike or something <laughs> like that. But, but something definitely set him on the straight and narrow. It said it said that he's a party animal. He's the life of the party, and then yeah, you never see that. Well, but I mean, yeah. but, but I mean, the, I I don't know. Me, I always took it as that that ex, those experiences with Megatron. I mean, it, you could almost look at it like a trilogy, whereas you know the first instance is in like seven and eight, and then they do that weird thing where where Megatron comes back from the space bridge in like issue fifty eight and fifty nine, and you know, and Ratchet's basically forced to make all those pretender shells for him and everything and you know and then i guess you know the 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 climax of the trilogy is when they fuse together in the wildman stuff in the late 70s but i mean i would think any of those instances would be enough to sort of maybe tone down your turn him off from drinking forever so part crew you know where he's like (laughs) who knows maybe ratchet was out partying when all the other autobots got fragged in the ark like (laughs) you know maybe chip chase and ratchet were drinking buddies and like that's (laughs) (laughs) he's like where'd he go chip's like oh my god (laughs) no ratchet come on that, that's why Chip's in a wheelchair, because Ratchet was, like, drunk and driving yeah. him home one night. Yeah. After tonight, I'm going to go drive and, like, kill a bunch of teenagers, and I'll be a much better, like, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and one one last question about Ratchet. What do you guys prefer, um, the the black helmet, or the, the white helmet with the black crest, or the red helmet with the white crest, which is seen here? I, I I like the, the the red with the white. It looks more uh, pharmaceutical, more I don't know, red crossy. I guess you would say. Yeah, yeah I preferred that one. Yeah. Indifferent doesn't matter. Indif- okay. I, I will I will okay. say this before we move on though. On, in this picture, Ratchet has amazing boobs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good, I was saying good, about good wind wind windscreen. I was like, I, w- I was kind of saying about Ironhide's profile. It's like, it's like Floro Derry took a generic robot body and stuck the front of a van and a new head on top of it, and that's how he got like Ratchet's character model, pretty much. <laughs> uh, it's a good design, though. I mean, I, I can't fault him for it. All right, so turning the next page, we are on to Ravage. He is a Decepticon, his function is a saboteur, and his first appearance is Transformers issue number one. His quote is, today's Autobots, or as they like to do on the G1 cartoon, today's Autobots are tomorrow's scrap metal, as his <laughs> tape is like playing backwards like with like <laughs> Judas Priest devil music or whatever is going I, on. I always like the noise the noise he made, like whatever Frank Welker probably <laughs> Yeah. Like a very raspy growl. It's weird. I always kind of got confused because, I mean, I guess technically Ravage is a jaguar, correct? Yes. But they treat but, him like a dog? Yeah, I always I always <laughs> felt like, at least on the cartoon, he was like, I thought he was like Soundwave's little black dog. Like, that's, that's <laughs> not how I always thought of him. <laughs> uh, I used to think he was a panther because he was like all black. Yeah, that's so, yeah. Okay. Like, okay. like his, his Japanese name is Jaguar, so yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it, it, I, I was gonna say like I was gonna go into this real quick because like Rabbit has a really long history. It's like he is in G one, then he shows up in Beast Wars. It's kind of cool how Rabbit apparently 
he has kind of that Wolverine fan aura. He's like the favorite cassette of everybody. Like, yeah, I like Ravage. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will always like, you know, a, a characterized Ravage. Like, I don't like him being treated like a pet or whatever. Like, I like how it's in the Marvel comics. It seemed like him and Megatron were like buddies or something because like there yeah, was yeah. a whole span of issues where him and Megatron were like palling around on Cybertron. Yeah, they were always kind of having chats and stuff. Yeah, yeah I, I think the only thing that really annoyed me is the uh, Dreamwave version where he was like this weird spiky drone looking thing. I just didn't like the design. He wasn't like a cat or a dog. He was just. Just weird. Oh yeah, when he was like upright and he kind of looked like Rumble and Frenzy, sort of like. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what the fuck they were thinking, but that was just like really. And then you got like Cyclops yeah. Ravage from the Bay movies, and the less said about that, the better. But oh god, I'm gonna crash to the eyes. I'm gonna run around. I'm gonna get killed. Brr. Yeah, yeah. Did Ravage come back like after Beast Wars and some of those like? Club comics or anything? Yes. Right. Uh, he, in both the IDW comics and the, the BotCon comics, they yeah, keep did, did he back. have his, uh, his uh, Transmetal... No, not his Transmetal, but his, uh, his like, Trans- Cheetor, yes. Tigertron. Yeah, yeah. his Transmetal 2 Cheetor body or whatever. It was funny, like, in the in the IDW comics, like, they don't even have him transform. They just, like, stand that, like, weird cheetah, yeah, I, I guess I should say weird cheetah mode, like, up on its hind legs, and that's, oh, okay. like, his, like, robot mode, pretty uh, much. But. Uh, that's horrible. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm, I'm, I like Transmetal 2, so I was like, oh, that's kind of cool, but... <laughs> no, I, I, I like, remember being really happy when he was on the, the Beast Wars show. I thought that was great. Yeah. So. Oh, he was so fucking Russian, though. It was, yeah. I mean, it wasn't bad. It was just so fucking funny, though. He's like, for the glory of the Decepticon. <laughs> tomorrow's Autobots are, t- are... Today's Autobots are tomorrow's scrap metal. Yeah. <laughs> like, you never heard Ravish talk, and then he's like, fucking Russian. Okay, well, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got you. I guess I got used. To, like at first, I was kind of like, "What Russian?" But then I guess I was like, "Okay, I guess that kind of works out," you know. Yeah. And he's like talking to Megatron and stuff, where he's like, uh, well, well, "Well, when he turns into like the fucking cassette and goes into the ship, you're just like, you have that fanboy moment." He's like, "He still turns into a cassette." Decepticons forever. Yeah. Little, little fanboy markout moment. So yeah, Rav- Ravage will always be like, not the perfect Decepticon for me, but like. The idea of a Decepticon—he's—he's—he's he's, he's black. He's a cat. He's dangerous. He's got two big ass missiles on his fucking hips. He's—he's he's like you know, he's a badass. You know, it's too bad he got beaten by Spike so many times. <laughs> <laughs> At least he didn't get Spikes a, were thrown. Yeah, he must two by four through his head like Scrapper. <laughs> he's like he, like he used to like tackle Spike and then he'd be like. <sighs> And then, like, he'd, like, look around at Soundwave and be like, okay, what do I do now? <laughs> What's going <laughs> on? <laughs> Line. <laughs> and then, like, Spike would kick him, and he'd be like, oh, no, like, yellow boots, ah! Well, it does say that that Ravage is very sensitive to light and can be blinded by too much of it. So those boots, man, <laughs> those boots are pretty fucking intense. You know, they are super, super yellow. So I think I think Spike had that going for him. He was just like, my eyes, the boots, the boots, my eyes. That, that's kind of cool because in one episode of uh, Transformers, I think it was one of the early ones, uh, they actually find Ravage by shining lights around and they reveal his stealthy nature. So that, that's pretty cool, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
All right, so uh, next up we got Razorclaw, who is a Decepticon. He is for part of the subgroup Predacons. He is the Predacon Commander, and his first appearance is Transformers issue number 25. His quote is, all good things succumb to those who wait. Razorclaw is the badass that doesn't get to be as much of a badass as he should. Yeah. <laughs> I guess well, all I seems... can think of when, when I think of Razorclaw, like besides, I mean, of course, you think of Predacons, you think of Transformers 25, which we talked about with Megatron and everything, but actually the first thing I think of when I think of Razorclaw specifically is the thing where, like, Springer and him go into, like, hmm. the night land, and, and yeah. Springer's, like, riding him on, like, like a horseback <laughs> or whatever, so, like, yeah. I'd, I don't know that Razor Claw is like super badass in my book. He's just kind of well, like some... he, he didn't do it willingly. He he it was a it was a matter of convenience. It's, yeah, also, kind of begrudgingly. Yeah. Also, he got choted by Rotor Force in Generation Two. And he got <laughs> he got decapitated <laughs> by Rotor Force. Uh, uh, again, like I said, he's a badass who doesn't get to be a badass. It's it's really annoying. That's true. Of, like the Predacons as a whole, though, really. Yeah. yeah. They, it's like they look so cool, but when you actually look at what they've done in like fiction, like it's always like they've all they've always gotten their asses kicked, pretty much. Yeah, and I think Mike will agree with me. The the uh, shining example of Regical and the Predacons is probably Stormbringer. Yeah, they were pretty badass in Stormbringer, at least. Yeah. Yeah. But then, like, uh, unfortunately, Mike Costa's run totally, like, stripped any coolness Razorclaw had when they had him, like, on that asteroid with all the Decepticons. And, like, it's like, Razorclaw's running a survival of the fit of the fittest, like, type, like, rule. And he's letting everyone cannibalize each other. And he yeah. thinks this is a good idea. And I was like, oh, <laughs> God. Yeah. This is his deal. You know? So have, have the only updates of, of Razorclaw and the Predacon since G1 just been, like, third-party stuff, or have there been official updates? There's, like, some legend-sized toy, right? There's a Razorclaw that's in that scale, oh, I think. Oh, there's, um, there's the uh, the Botcon toy. I was about to say, was Razorclaw one of them? Was was the Tiger Razorclaw? No, he. what do you call it? It's a, it's a remold of the, um what's it called? A Leo Breaker from Cybertron. Oh, uh, okay. He turns into a giant arm, like like for Cybertron Prime to use. But yeah, it's like it, I guess it was supposed to be like a post Beast Machines, like Razor Claw, because it was kind of like techno organic or whatever. But uh, I I own it. Like I I actually bought it because I thought it looked cool, even though that's a terrible mold. But at least he has like an actual like new Razor Claw like styled head. So oh, that's cool. Yeah. I, I think the biggest problem with, like, the Predacons is, like, they just came in really too late. In the comics, they had a chance. I don't know what the guys who were writing them thought, but whatever. But in the cartoon, they just they came in in Season 3, and Season 3 was packed full of shit. And you had so many things to deal with, and, like, probably their giant, shiny moment was uh, Call of the Primitives. Only Razor Claw commands Predacons. Yes, exactly. And in season four, which was like you know what three episodes? Like yeah, they didn't do crap. So I mean, I don't. Yeah, I don't think they even showed up in that. Yeah. And then in Headmasters, like all the Gestalts became like interchangeable, so it didn't even. Well, he, he was part of that that uh, series of those nine generals in zone. So he was one <laughs> so of those got goobers. Cut in half. Yeah. He was one of those goobers with the case. So, you know, yeah. And his head was on backwards, but it's okay. 
<laughs> I, I, I think the the biggest limitation of uh, season three is there was just too too much awesome, too many great toys, and there's wasn't enough time because we had to make sure Rodimus got punked out like a bitch, which really pisses me off. <laughs> well, but I mean, I'm you know the Criticons did get heavily featured in season three. They yeah, definitely they did. sell those toys, whether they they made a good showing or not. Well, they were the bad guys, so they weren't going to make a good showing, you know. So. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, if anybody was going to make a good showing, it was going to be like Skylinks, you know, who was his de facto rival or whatever. So, cool. All right. So uh, I guess moving on, uh, we've got Red Alert. His allegiance is Autobot. His function is security director. And at this point in time, I think we're only up to issue number 24 of Transformers. So he does not yet have a first appearance. His quote is, caution can never be overused. Is this like Inferno, where like he doesn't show up in the comics, or doesn't show up until like way later? Or? Yeah, in, in the U.S. like comics, he never shows up until like G2, and then uh, like, I, he showed up in the U.K. comics like kind of weirdly and intermittently, like where there was like, he was one of those guys where there was like no origin for him, and he just kind of randomly shows up, and he's like just part of the group, and they're like, I've always been here, you know, so... <laughs> I, I like how, how on his arm, the artwork, I know what it's supposed to like be. It's supposed to be a shield, but it still says, Fod Chief. <laughs> I'm a Fod Chief. And he's got fire on his leg. I'm not, I'm not Sideswipe, damn it. Fire. 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 Uh, uh, again, just to, you know, uh, to throw this out there again, because uh, me and my colleagues, if you want to read some really good red alert, more than me, yeah, but anyway. Well, I what? wouldn't even say he gives a good showing there. I mean, he just kind of no, acts paranoid and then, like, tries to commit suicide, and then that's about it. But Yeah, well, we can go back to G1, though. The G1 uh, cartoon where he uh, has the sparklies over his uh, head, that was that was pretty cool. They even made the masterpiece have the sparklies on his head. So. Well, yeah, that must have been pretty memorable, because he's like, You are all out to get me! You know, and he's just kind of going apeshit crazy, because that was... You're kind of like, oh, well, like, I, in some weird way, he's, like, completely insane. But since you came along with him for the ride, like, you kind of felt bad for him. Because you're like, well, it's not his fault he got, like, bonked on the head or whatever. But, you know, he doesn't know that he's in the wrong for working with Starscream or whatever. So. Yeah, I, I, that's one thing I really liked about the uh, second season characters. Like, they did a lot of pairing up with people. Red Alert had Inferno. They were like the the fire team, and then you had Hoist and Grapple. They were the architect team, and I think that was a a really good idea. They should have played off more because I like the idea of Inferno being the calm, cool headed guy to Red Alert's like paranoid guy. But they never really played it up as much as they should have. Why can't anyone see it? Inferno wants my job. Yeah, kind of reminds me a little bit of the way they used to do the, like the Justice League comics, where they would send off people into pairs before they teamed up everybody at the end or something like that. And also, you know, obviously like the way you're describing Inferno and Red Alert, you know, it's, it's like there's sort of a, a contrast, a natural dramatic conflict between the two characters' personalities, you know, so you could say like, oh, well, you know, Hawkman and Green Arrow don't get along, you know, or whatever, and it's kind of yeah. like the same idea, but they do, they do kind of work well together per se, you know, so it's kind of the same sort of concept or what have you. Yeah, as as far as like uh, technical specifications, though, I, I would like to say this though: Red Alert is actually really good at his job. He's just fucking paranoid. That's what really sucks about him because he's really a good security chief. He just 
is batshit crazy, you know? He does his job really well, he just does it too well. So that's that's pretty much his downfall. But he has a great design, and actually, I will say this, as far as a repaint, uh, and, and uh, Brian, who's a G1, like, you know, fanatic, he has, like, a lot of G1s, Red Alert was a really good toy. Mm-hmm. The updates yeah. of him have been great, too. Yeah, yeah. Did you have any of the Classics versions, Mike, or you get interested in the Masterpiece version at all? I have the Classics version, but he was more to, like, fill out, like, the my, like, G1 Autobots. I mean, I don't really have any special love for Red Alert at all. Like, I don't think I'd buy his Masterpiece unless, you know, it was, like, really cheaper or something. Yeah. Well, I'll ask you guys this. Which do you prefer, Blackhead or Redhead? Red, for sure. Yeah, Red makes him more distinct from Sideswipe, I think. Like, there's a third-party add-on kit for the Classics toy, too, and it looks so much better when he has, like, a red unique head instead of just a black sideswipe head. Yeah, the only yeah. thing I, the only thing that leaps to mind about Red Alert is the time in G2 when he got, like, blown the fuck away <laughs> by, like, G-Axis's guys, you know? <laughs> red Alert, no! Yeah, exactly. Like, even Grimlock was like, holy shit, man, that was, like, extreme! <laughs> <laughs> So I guess it's safe to say that while Riddler can be a good character, he is he is totally second tier or third tier. To be fair. No, I mean I mean I, I like the episodes I saw Riddler in on the cartoon and stuff, but yeah, it doesn't seem like he had a big, huge uh, impact on the the comic books of the time or what have you. Um, I think the toys are pretty cool looking, so that's that's about it. But um, rewind is the okay, next. Okay, right now. Oh my up. god, Mike is gonna go fucking crazy. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Rewind is the Autobot archivist. Um, His quote is, too much information is never enough. So, yeah, we got Rewind here, who, I don't know, it's funny how he, you know, he's been uh, played up heavily in in more than meets the eye, but he, he doesn't look that familiar to me. Here, having read that comic, you know? He's a very more stately here. He looks very dignified here. He is a victim of Marvel Comics, like, inability to, like, have black coloring, like, in their comics in the 80s. Because, you know, all that was supposed to be black is, like, either blue or gray on him here. Yeah, because was actually black, right? No, Eject is blue, but yeah. like, you, you wouldn't be able to tell it from, like, the Marvel comics. They both look kind of bluish. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I, I, I like, like, he, he's cool in more than meets the eye, but he's not, like, one of my favorites or anything. Tony, you're crazy. Oh, what? <laughs> like him in more than meets the eye. But in G1, he, he really didn't do a whole lot. I mean, as far as my knowledge, I don't know about the comics, but in the cartoon, the, the blaster cassettes got fucking shafted. They didn't do shit. Come on, he shot Ravage in the face. <laughs> Yeah, like once. <laughs> like <laughs> That's once, all it took. Dude. Yeah, and did we did we see Ravage after that ever again? No, no. Uh, never. Check the episode. Bam! <laughs> we, we saw he was Wheel- toasted. Yeah, well, we saw Wheeljack later on and Prowl. <laughs> uh, Rewind is the Autobot trivia expert, so I, I guess if we had him on our Dare show, he'd totally like win all the Cyclopses and Wolverine. He'd win Legends, all the prizes yeah. and everything. Yeah. I kind of I think in, in More Than Meets the Eye, he kind of reminds me of the uh, the character from... Um, the Stargate universe where, you know, they're, they're filming everybody with the Kinos and stuff. And, you know, basically he's just trying to archive everything on video and like, he's going to make a big film out of their, 
you know, spacefaring adventure and whatnot. So that's, yeah. that's kind of what I think of him as like that, that kind of, you know, guy who's excited to, to tape everything and put it all together and kind of like the whole, you know, almost like he's, he's, he's like a filmmaker in a way, you know, more so than just a, I don't know, trivia or archivist or what, what have you. It's like, instead of it being like, oh, I'm a librarian, it's more like, dude, I'm going to take, you know, get some footage and we're going to put it together and we're going to put it on YouTube and it's going to be... He, yeah, he enjoys his work, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, just, just for a fun thing, though, on this uh, entry <clears throat> that's not in the actual text spec, um, he, there's a couple of uh, things that are mentioned and at the end, there's a addendum. And he, he, they they actually answer all of them, kind of like from Rewind's perspective. It's like, by the way, the answers to the above questions are three thousand six hundred twenty-three to one. Tele, telemark uh, six on the planet Ganswort. Ganswort. <laughs> Trintron on planet Earth, and tell him his fusion line is unplugged. And that is that is actually kind of a funny thing because it kind of does go into the more BCI thing. Is like. He's kind of a know-it-all, but just because he's seen it all. It's not because he's a smartass. He just he's been there, done that. Yeah. He looked like through how... the Jimmy Carter administration. So <laughs> right I, d- I do like how like they explain in more than meets the eye that he turns into like a memory stick just so he can like store all this like trivia and stuff. So and like <laughs> video footage. It's all about Finn. form, not function. <laughs> Chain Claw, I believe it's Trenton, New Jersey, not Trentron. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, Mike, I'm going to ask you again because I don't know the answer. Now, they don't list his first appearance because we haven't gotten to it yet, but does he actually appear in the Marvel Comics room? Nope, just in no. the UK. In the, in the UK comics, I believe he shows up. Like, in the now, when they go to the future, like, storylines, but... Couldn't they have listed his first appearance as uh, Transformers the movie? That's true. Yeah, they could have. I mean, well, maybe, maybe like if they were just working off like the scripts or whatever. I don't think maybe they maybe they don't know because I know like the original script says like like Blaster rejects like all these like like other guys that they didn't end up using like uh, you know like Blaster rejects like I I know ones like Cubby a tiny like robot lion or something or Uh, something yeah but. I don't know. They probably maybe they weren't even like thought to be used in the movie at this point. Okay. Okay. I really want Cubby now. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, a Cubby became Steeljaw. Come on. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. All right. Next up, we have Rumble. Rumble is a Decepticon. His function is demolitions. His first appearance is Transformers issue number one. His quote: "Destroy what's below, and what's above will follow." Man, Rumble is really blue for being red all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, yeah, this I, is I, the rip fur fur rib. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 something that needs to be black, but is kind of really dark blue. So yeah, that's. <coughs> I guess yeah, if, Rump- if Hasbro made comic accurate packaging or whatever, like they do with the Star Wars toys or GI Joe toys, you know, you'd have a a Rumble that was, uh, you know, midnight blue instead of black or whatever so i don't have much to say about rumble i'll go with this right now he was a punk in the comics and he really didn't seem to do much in the com uh he was a punk in the cartoon he didn't seem to do much in the comics so i, I mean he was a he was a lackey i mean i prefer those colors for frenzy but you know 
that's neither here nor there. I think we talked about that when we talked about Frenzy. So, and yeah, yeah. pretty much like Tony, like I, uh, I, I mean, I like Rumble and Frenzy, but I don't like have any like super strong feelings about them. Like I, I'd say, like Buzzsaw is my favorite cassette, but so the rest of them are just kind of like there. Well, he, he does have the honor of being packaged with Ravage, so I'll throw yeah. that there. Yeah, probably his uh, most. Uh Discerning quality is he he was featured heavily in the G1 cartoon. That's about all I have to say about it. I find it interesting, like, maybe, I guess, like, the animators made up his, like, pile drivers or something, because, like, they're clearly not part of his, like, character model or anything. So oh, yeah. That's just something they, like, you know, storyboarded or something. I wonder if, like, the way that they uh, randomly inserted Jazz's Cybertronian mode, I wonder if there were alternate modes that are not featured in this universe, but maybe there was a, a design of Rumble with his pile drivers. Yeah, that's entirely possible, too. You know, that maybe we're just not seeing it because they didn't put it in, you know, or something. So. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know about Brian. Do you have anything to add about Rumble? I... No, not really. Yeah, yeah. He's there. He, he's, a, he's a jackass. That's pretty much what he does. No way! Right. No way! Alright, moving on. Runabout. Runabout is a Decepticon. His subgroup is Battle Charger. I know they went around calling themselves the Battle Chargers. Uh, function, Shock Trooper. First appearance, Transformers, issue number 23. A pretty car makes an even prettier wreck. Um... Looks like he, he benefited from getting some hands here. I mean, because I know when I had the toy. <laughs> I, I, will, I will say this right now. The uh, design model for this is 20 times better than the fucking toy. Yeah. yeah. If, a ki- if a kid saw this and then got the toy, they'd be disappointed pretty much. I, I had the toys. I mean, it was it was more about the gimmick than than the actual design of the toy. You know, you yeah. you, you rolled the car back. It had one of those little wheel-up, you know, things where you would, you know, just like a regular car that had a motor in it where you'd roll the car back and the car would just, you know, roll across the floor of its own accord. But in this case, you know, somewhere midway through the roll, I guess when it got up to 88 miles per hour, it would flip open. You would, and, you would flop open like a limp dick, yeah. You know, and, and, and <laughs> supposedly it would self-transform, so, you know. <clears throat> yeah, they, 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 they were was, a cool idea, but, I mean... But Again, I don't have that much to say about them. I, I know early in IDW, uh, Runabout, Runabout, and Runamuck were like again shock troopers, like they were supposed to be, but they they never made an impression on me. So, besides this really cool design by like the Florodiri uh, mindset, I don't really have much to say about him. I have a question for Derek. Like I've only owned the toy secondhand, but did he have a gun like he could actually hold? There was there. What you did was the gun. You We're see going where to his sh- shoulders are? Like, so you would put the gun on top of his shoulder. But there there was no way for that to be accommodated in the transformation. You know, you, that was yeah. something you had to do after he popped up or whatever. Um, you know, I, I, I'll give uh, I'll give Rudd about props for tagging the Statue of Liberty. I was going to say, not not many people know, but Runabout and Runamuck are the proto-Beavis and Butthead. Like, (laughs) all through that issue, they're like, (laughs) 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 (laughs)
<laughs> or actually, I guess Runabout would be Butthead. He'd be like, oh, come on, uh, come on, Runamuck. Let's... Shut up, Runamuck. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess they just kind of fell in the same, like, uh, bad guy archetype where they're like, we're just bad. Let's just be bad. And you, you kind of forget well, about Well, I, I think in the in the comic the idea was, hey, they turn into cars. Most of the Autobots turn into cars. Uh, you know, there was already sort of bad sentiment in the Marvel comics for robots in general. But I think the, the general idea was, hey, the Autobots are cars. If we run around tagging all these landmarks and destroying all these monuments, well, then the Autobots are going to get the blame for it. And, you know, yeah. for Circuit Breaker was running around, so it was like double the crazy, where it's like, I hate you, robots! You hurt my pussy! And she, like, you know, <laughs> zaps them all, and Direct crazy, and kills, <laughs> yeah. kills Superion, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's like, you know, so... Fuck so that you, Wheeljack! That was the kind <laughs> of general idea, yeah, basically. So. Yeah. Not a, lot, not a lot of death, but, you know, man, again, that's a great design. I, 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 I love the art. To, to, to their credit, I did make the effort to, like, join the fan club and just to get, like, him and Run Amok, like, you know, together. Like, yeah, those toys are awesome. Yeah, they're classics toys. Oh, they had updated classics toys. How are those? Sweet. They're yeah, they're, they're remolds of Wheeljack and Trax's mold, so... You know they they they're pretty they're pretty like obviously anything will up, will make the the original toys better. But, <laughs> they have feet. Yeah, they have sounds, feet. And real arms. Like, yeah. uh, it sounds like Runabout has uh, sideburn disease or whatever though, because if you notice in the weaknesses it says his attention turns to beautiful cars like a young man's turns to beautiful women. Yeah, but so. it's because he wants to destroy them. He's, he's yeah, but 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 I mean, still, that's kind of odd because you know you're like whether it's sideburn or or runabout, it's like it, you, you know it'd be like if you were talking to a buddy of yours that was like that, you'd be like, hey, dude, you know that's not real, right? I mean, it'd be like one of us being like, dude, I love that toy. Yeah, but I, mm, I, I want to that toy, you know, and you're just like, dude, it's a toy. Well, yeah, but I, I saw the robots in the episode where Cyber was just like, Megatron is so sexy in his car mode. So, yeah, it's a little different. <laughs> He's like, come, come here, baby. Come to runabout. Awesome. Awesome. Well, moving right on down the road, uh, you know, I don't know if we're going to have more to say about this schmuck, but here's Runamuck. So that's his brother in crime, the Beavis of the Beavis and Butthead Decepticon Battle Charger duo. Um, he is a shock trooper, like his, uh, you know, his partner in crime. His first appearance is also Transformers 23. His quote is, the road is my playpen, cars are my toys. I think the only thing I want to say about this guy is the way his character is drawn in this is it looks like he would talk like this. <laughs> yeah. He's got this like big lower jaw. I don't know. That's just me. I guess I guess my favorite part about these guys in season three was when uh, Starscream like stole Triptychon's eye and did all that nasty shit as a ghost. And then of course it's got my favorite scene with Galvatron where these poor schmucks are trying to explain to Galvatron like, so what happened was Starscream did the and then he possessed the and they all got possessed and messed up and he's like, you know, basically Galvatron's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, well, it's like well, all I can say is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty much one of my favorite Galvatron scenes, and 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 these two Nimrods 
uh, I guess, basically set up the joke. So, you know, that's that's their claim to fame. I will say this, it's like a lot of the earlier uh, Floro Deary or like, you know, even Studio Ox later on, like more anthropomorphized like, you know, looks kind of pissed me off like like Gears having a face or like Braun having a face. But with guys who are really like not well engineered, light run amok and runabout, I welcome that because I was like, okay, these actually look like real fucking robots. And, you know, it's like it's like taking something that, like, is minimalistic and making it, like, you know, kind of too human. But these guys actually look like Transformers. They actually, like, took what the look was supposed to be and, like, took what the designers wanted to accomplish and made it look a lot more like a robot. So, I mean, like, the later seasons, I think they, they kind of had a really good groove because, like, Runamuck here looks great. Again, like Runabout. I would love to have this toy. You know, I mean, this is if this was a toy on the market right now, if he looked like this when he transformed from his car, I would love that. That would that is a really great design. So, just based on what it says in his weaknesses, it says that his reckless ways result in his transforming on ill-advised occasions. So, like now, I'm picturing him like you know driving in the back of like Motormaster's trailer, and then all of a sudden being like bam and transforming, and like you know, I guess that leads to serious injury or something like that. So. He, he's a premature transformator. That's that's what it sounds like. <laughs> I'm so excited! Oh, I'm a robot. I mean, look at look at his weapon, his friction rifle. It causes everything to burst into flames, so he must be like ah, fire. <laughs> I swear to God, it works so well. Like everyone, like I, I, I'm like someone mentioned it on a message board once, and now I guess it's like an in joke that run about and run amok are Beavis and Butthead. So. What is it? Is it like freaking? Uh, what cup is like the the old guys? Like boys, <laughs> you gotta stop transforming illegally. You know. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. I grew up in the South. <laughs> and we didn't transform like that. Like, if you even read Transformers 23, it's like they're constantly going, <laughs> <laughs> like it, it's actually written out. So that's where so, Mike Judge got it from. All right. So we're, we're finally into the S's. Woo, S's. We are at Sandstorm. His allegiance is Autobot. His function is peace, love, and hippie. I mean, reconnaissance. <laughs> um, his quote is, when the smoke clears, I've cleared out. Um, Sandstorm is, along with uh, Springer and Broadside, he is one of the Autobot triple changers. Um, he can turn into what looks to be a like lift ticket style helicopter and a little dune buggy. Um, yeah, all I kind of remember about Sandstorm was he, wasn't he the guy who got, like, hung up in that place with all the Paradron, uh, He, he was, stuff? he was on Paradron, and then he became best buddies with Octane. Yeah, so he's, oh. yeah, he, he's a douche. That's, that's what I have to say about Sandstorm. <laughs> he did have the good sense to, like, fight when his back was finally put to the wall, though. Like, everyone else on the planet was actually a, you know, pacifist post so the whole time. Like what you're saying, what you're saying is like he was a douche for 21 minutes, and then all of a sudden, when he realized, yeah, someone else was going to fight for him, he was like, oh, okay, I guess I have to do it. I, I, exactly. I, 
I know we're all we're all pretty much Rodimus Prime like apologists on this show, but the only thing I remember like for mostly about that episode is Rodimus Prime callously mocking him as his planet exploded. <laughs> like Sandstorm's like, oh, it's like is the when it, the planet's exploding, he's like, it's as beautiful in death as it is in, as it as it was in life. And Rodimus Prime is like, yeah, well, Cybertron's better anyway, so. <laughs> Plans well, made of metal. What the fuck you got? Got a lot of hippie Autobots on it. I tell you that much. So. <laughs> you know, you know, who has a home? Me. This <laughs> <laughs> guy. guy. Who has who has two thumbs in his own planet? This guy. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. What about, I will say, uh, what about... Sandstorm has a really ugly design, I think. Oh, okay. I've never liked his design. I think maybe, he... maybe that's why he's a douche. Yeah, exactly. But but you know what? As a toy, he has a really good toy. That's what's really sad. His, yeah. his G1 toy is good. I've never I, I've never had the privilege of, of knowing or owning a Sandstorm in any form, so I don't know. The, the robot that. is kind of off, but the, the helicopter... The robot's pathetic. Come on. Yeah, but the the Doom Buggy and Helicopter are fucking spot on. They are better than fucking Broadside. Yeah, it's fun transforming them between the two modes. Yeah. Vehicle modes. I don't know, I think it's just that stupid propeller on top of his character model. It makes him look like he's, like, he's wearing one of those stupid, like, propeller hats (laughs) or something. You need to be cooled. (laughs) He's got, like, a a dumb D twirly cap or whatever. Yeah. That's pretty. I mean, well, he is a wrecker too, which I guess earns him some points. But you know, yeah, he is, he's actually pretty cool in uh, regeneration. He he did have a couple good moments. So. Yeah, I like I like his toy like head better than this four <laughs> dairy head too. Like his toy head has a like mouth plate and stuff. So he you know what? he actually looks just like Snake Eyes. Yeah, yeah. Actually, has kind of a ninja look to him, and like which and- Snake Eyes. Oh, the the uh, kind of like the uh, hockey mask one with the white mask, and because his face is white, he's got like a black helmet and he's got a white face. So you mean like the Deke Snake Eyes? Uh, kind of, but he doesn't have red goggles, so it doesn't look okay. quite as like you know like. I know, that's the only one I can think of that has a hockey mask. Well, he he's got a good classics toy at least too. Okay. So. Oh yeah, the, the classic one is is fucking awesome. Big ass. Now, is he is he a uh, am I getting the terminology right? Is he a deluxe like Springer is? They're Voyagers, right? Yeah, they're they're bigger. Oh, one step bigger. up, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the new ones. Yeah, I thought you talking about like G one. G one had no fucking size class. It was just like here's some fucking toys, buy them. <laughs> this guy's bigger than this guy. This guy's bigger than that guy. This guy's smaller than that guy. Buy them. <laughs> well, most of the Autobot triple changers were the same size though. Uh, I, I would say he's probably like uh, as far as size class, probably Starscream size, right? Uh, uh, maybe I don't. I don't like. I've only owned broadside, so if I, I was retconning sizes, I think he would be a deluxe from the G one. Yeah, I mean he's a little bigger than the cars, though. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, they're shorties, though. Yeah, the, the, the cars are shorties. The, the cars actually would be like fucking basics now. In our in our new like you know era, but anyway, we're we're getting too like philosophical about the size glasses. That's cool. We'll we'll move on. We'll move on to the next entry, and it is scavengers. Murder. 
Uh, he is a Decepticon. His subgroup is Constructicon. His function is mining and salvage. And his first appearance is Transformers issue number 10. His quote is, everything is worth something, even me. So high praise about himself from Scavenger, I guess. Uh, I like Scavenger's gun. I think I've said this like 15 times already, but I like Scavenger's gun. I've used it on different... Um, Toy lines besides Transformers. But that's, see, that's not even Scavenger's gun, though. That's that's oh. Hook's that's Hook's gun. Hook's gun. But well, they, they constantly give it they to Scavenger. They constantly use it. Like, well, I like that gun because it looks cool. So <laughs> all I'm gonna say is a uh, Scavenger kill Prowl in the movie. So fuck him. I'm yeah, exactly. Out. I was like, the secret shame of all Prowl fans is he got killed by the pussiest Constructicon. So yeah, fuck him also, right in the ear. <laughs> also, Scavenger has a vestigial tail. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of a monkey, yeah. I'm impressed, Derek. Nice. Okay. Yeah, he also had the wooziest voice in the show too. He was like, yeah. Human germ. No, I mean, I'll like, tell you, as a kid, I didn't have an Incredible Hulk toy, so I used Scavenger. <laughs> <laughs> Purple pants. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I like the Constructicons, but I don't I don't know that I have too much to say about Scavenger. He had play value for me in his vehicle mode. I liked his, you know, little scoop and stuff, and he would load long haul all the time, and many a day were spent whiling away playing with him and you know, rest, rest <laughs> of my toys on the floor. I'm thinking dirty thoughts about loading long haul now. Like, <laughs> he, loaded, he loaded them as hard as he could. <laughs> he made sure long haul was nice and full. <laughs> nice and full. He, he does. He does have a very phallic uh, lock joint for the arm there, right? Staring you at yes. the chest or whatever. It's like, I, bone crusher. It is actually. Oh yes, yeah. He inserted himself into Hook. Yes, he, and, and it worked pretty well because Hook had that like nice, uh, you know, I don't know, rectangular latch that was on the side of his hey, well, vehicle mode. Remember, I said Bone Crusher couldn't, like, keep it in, so, you know, but Scavenger could, so. My my toys, yeah, at least. That's why Scavenger got, like, the fucking dirty deed of killing off my most beloved character ever in Transformers. Anyway, let's let's, let's move on. Move on to Scrapper, uh, arguably the leader of the Constructicons. Uh, Constructicon Engineer first appearance, Transformers issue number 10. His quote is, my work is a monument to and of my enemies. I want to tell you this right now, Mike, and I am ashamed to say this. When I was a kid, I always thought Hook was the leader of the Constructicons because he had the head of Devastator. Did not know Scrapper was the leader until much later, and I feel ashamed about we, that. We did talk about we, we this. We talked about we, this. Yeah, we, we decided we, they were co-leaders. Or yeah. Something. Yeah, because that, that's totally, like, a lot of people thought, like, Hook is the leader. Even, though, like, the cartoon kind of made it clear that it was Scrapper, but everything else was kind of nebulous, so. Yeah. But I Scrapper is my favorite Constructicon, and... Again, much like in a sort of reverse ironies, uh, irony of ironies, like Scavenger, uh, Scrapper has the dubious honor of being killed by Spike in the IDW comics. So, yeah, I think it with the pencil, right? Yeah, yeah something <laughs> stupid like dishwashing liquid or something. I forgot. <laughs> it was something stupid and lame. So, 
much like everything in Mike Costa's run. So yeah, even even Proud was like, I hate the Decepticons. I hate all they stand for. They just like totally destroy my entire being, and I wish them to be vanquished. And I just want to kill them all. Really, Scrapper got killed by Spike. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Prowl was pretty upset about that for no good reason. But whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Know, I guess I, I I said it before, but I guess I like all the characters voiced by Michael Bell. So. Yeah, yeah. He like I like Prowl and Bombshell. Yeah, and Scrapper. Yeah. Well, I mean, Scrapper did have one really kind of cool thing though. Every single fucking combiner leader was the chest. Scrapper was a fucking leg, and he was a leader. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. Does, it does say, like, in the profile, Megatron considers him the most valuable of the Constructicons, so that's, like, something, I guess. Cool. Anything else on Scrapper? All right. Moving on. Yours, mine's, and Tony's favorite Autobot ever, Sea Spray! Sea Spray is an Autobot. His function is naval defense. Is there a navy on Cybertron? Are there No, remember, water doesn't exist on Cybertron. Remember the Scraplets? Like, they were okay. like, oh my god, like, water is the miracle so, cure for Scraplets. So what do, they, what do they need with the navy? <laughs> anyway, his first appearance is Transformers issue number 17. I guess we don't talk about... The fact that there's no he's, water. Derek, Derek, he's, he's mentally ill, okay? They just told him, like, they just <laughs> oh, gave they, him they a They told job. him he's part of Navy Defense. They're like, dude, buddy, you're part of our Navy. Oh, thanks, Prime. You know. Well, what are we going to do you? with the fat, dumpy kid? Yeah, I know. Look at him in the Navy. <laughs> he doesn't have much going for him. So, I mean, they All have right. to get... <laughs> the Autobot bases in the desert. Put him in the Navy. So his quote is, be unyielding as the ocean waves and your enemies shall fall. Now, I guess he didn't have this quote until he came to Earth, because, yeah. All right. Well, well actually, um, not a lot of people know this, but when he was on Cybertron, he was a very uh, like egotistical and very self-assured person. Like, if he could read his profile right now, he'd be like, shooting across the wave crest like a gleaming bullet. Sea Spray performs his job with a zest unmatched by any of his fellow Autobots. And he loves the ocean. He loves the galaxy of creatures that inhabit its depths. He loves the freedom of movement near limitless expanse allows. He is saddened whenever he is necessary to revert back to his royal form on land. He also he sounds like a romance novel. He's sad when he has to get out of the pool. Yeah, he, he is he is really passionate. It's really sad. I mean, Look at his robot he, mode. Come on. Yeah. You'd be happy turning back into that? I guess not. I guess not. Not that I want to knock the poor guy, but they I, I know a lot of people kind of refer to him as the Aquaman of the Autobots. So, <laughs> uh, Aquaman I, I was, is useful in certain situations. Yeah, yeah. Give the guy like five minutes of fame just to let him like sound like a dignified person, but yeah, he sounds like this. Hi. Yeah. So. Yeah, I like I like how it's like the weakness. Like Sea Spray is not very strong or mobile in robot mode. He's a liability as a warrior on land. <laughs> like he, if he transforms and he's on land, he's fucked. He walks kind of weird and he's cross-eyed. <laughs> <laughs> you stick him like, in a hot tub, he's badass, but <laughs> no good. Well, he's badass because what Decepticon boats were there, you know? I mean, he pretty much owned the seas. I think there was, like, like, two pretenders, yeah. Yeah, there's, like, two fucking pretenders. 
Yeah, he can fight Submarauder or whatever. Oh, and then he's really boned if when he fight it comes up against the Seacon, so you know. He's like, No, this is my domain. <laughs> <laughs> I can't go on the water. Get out of here. That's even one of the like Seacon intro commercials where it's like dun 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 dun. Yeah, Seacons are evil and they're gonna act like sea spray. Like the Seacons are coming in like Prime. Well, like what do we do? He's like sea spray's got it. And then like it cuts to like the ocean and like sea spray just like floats to the top like face down like all dead and stuff. Like fucking like fucking uh. Uh, quick switch is like, oh fuck! I gotta be a hydrofoil again. God damn it! <laughs> oh my god! Right. Sea spray. Oh, we 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 uh we knew you so well, so we will move on from sea spray, and we are now at shockwave allegiance Decepticon function military operations commander first appearance Transformers issue number four. His quote, clarity of thought before rashness of action. I don't think he came up with that, but okay, Shockwave. I will shut the fuck up right now because Mike and Derek and Brian probably have all types of very interesting things to say about this guy. He's fucking awesome. The, the first Transformers comic, one of, probably maybe the first like Transformers story I ever read was number six, where he like kicks the crap out of Megatron. So I've always loved Shockwave. Like I, I, I like for a very brief time, I thought he was supposed to be like the big bad guy. So see, I, I was always confused because I watched the cartoon first, so I was like, you know, he was all the loyal, steadfast guy who was gonna be the guardian of Cybertron. So when I got to that point in the comics, like that's when I realized I was like, what the fuck he's supposed to be loyal why is he beating the shit out of megatron so i was all like huh like so that was that was always baffling to me like trying to you know make some kind of connection where there couldn't be any between the two uh interpretations of the property and stuff i will say this brian uh you have to admit as far as g1 toys shockwave's toy is fucking awesome yeah like almost to the point of like i'm surprised why they chose megatron to be the you know, uh, Decepticon leader, because Shockwave's like a much more impressive toy to me. Plus, they had electronics. Um, you know, uh, a lot of posability, sound stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So he's awesome. He's a fun toy. I mean, I'm yeah. still yeah. I'm like I know they have the third party like Quake Wave or whatever, but I'm still waiting for like some kind of official like update to Shockwave, like a, a G1 Shockwave at least. You know. Yeah, he'd, like, make an easy convert to, like, a Masterpiece toy, because, like, the G1 toy is, like, nearly there. All you gotta do is, put like, throw in, like, a ball joint in his legs and yeah. pretty much have a Masterpiece toy. Yeah, he, like, was, he, was, he was a great toy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I like all his, like, alternate versions, like the, like, you know, the movie and the animated and the Prime toys and stuff. Like, I think they're they're all pretty decent. And even, like, that, that War for Cybertron Deluxe is okay. But I really want, like, just an update of that, like, classic gun mode, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say this. is like, every time there's a Shockwave toy that comes out... I have bought it. I have bought the Alternator. I have bought the War for Cybertron. I have bought the Energon. I have bought, like, you know, all of them just because it's like, I, I, I dig this character. He has the Decepticon purple. He looks like a badass. And, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of what Derek said, you know, in the, in the early comics, you know, when you read the first, like, you know, ten issues, Shockwave hands Megatron his ass. I mean, you're like, 
my God, this guy is a brutal motherfucker. And as far as we know, we don't know how it's going to play out, but like even Mike can say, like, you know, Shockwave's making, making a bigger power play for Dark Cybertron, which we're going to see how that, you know, plays out. So, I mean, this is a very big character. This is like, you know, someone who, when you read about him, you, you want to get invested in, you enjoy reading about him. Well, and, just to just to defend Megatron in that fight, like, I always thought of it as, you know, a guy who had his, like, guts ripped out, and then they stitched up his stomach, and then, you know, Shockwave, like, you know, dumped a bunch of, uh, I don't know, hot tamales on his, like, you know, stitches Yeah, he did, he did, like, you know throw I mean? that, like, that water tower at you know, Megatron. So I, I was always like, you know, yeah, he won, but not through any, you know, it was it was all logical and, and well thought out, obviously, but I, I think, you know, had that, you know, had Megatron been at full power and they had a fight, like, you know, because it's like you notice, like, later on, whenever, you know, Megatron would show up in the UK comics or anything like that, you know, and, and there was, like, a straight-up, like, you know, or even in in, uh, in Transformers 25, you know, where, where Megatron's at full strength, but he's just nutty as a fucking nutter, like Galvatron, you know, and Shocker's like, uh, Megatron, and he's like, do you want to fucking challenge me? Like, do you want to, you know, get your ass handed to you? And Shocker's like, no. I just wanted to point out that, uh, you know, Optimus Prime could still be alive. Have a safe journey, Megatron. You know, and he well, tries to fuck with them, you know, mentally rather than, you know, combat. Well, that, that's, and, a, that's always Shockwave's you know, weakness. Up. That's, a, like, that's Shockwave's biggest weakness. He cannot take chaos. And it's been established very well. And I think it's going to happen in Dark Cybertron. I really see it happening with the scavengers or... You know, in the old Marvel comics, Grimlock has his fucking number. Grimlock is his fucking nemesis, but he can't beat Prime because he can't beat Grimlock. And I, I've always kind of liked that. I like the fact that, like, Shockwave is a logical, like, theoretical person, but Grimlock is the chaos element, and I really prefer Grimlock to be his nemesis because it's a lower tier, and, you know, let, let's, let's, let's have, you know, Optimus Prime fight Megatron. Let, let him fight the big bad. And Grimlock, I like him being that, like, you know, wild card to always beat Shockwave because he's like, I'm just going to do shit you don't fucking expect. You know, I, I really like that kind of dichotomy as far as the... Uh, I also, um, like, obviously, like, uh, Shockwave's pretty much an evil version of Prowl, too, so, like, he's, yeah. like, the man with the plan, so, like, I like him for that, too. So. Yeah, I mean, they both kind of have that Mr. Spock thing going on, so. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If they did ever make a masterpiece, they could always make a Radio Shack repaint later on. <laughs> In all gray? Yeah. Shockwave. Shockwave. Yeah, but Shockwave is a, is a badass, yeah. Sweet. All right, Shockwave. Moving on from Shockwave, we are up on Shrapnel. Shrapnel? <laughs> uh, he is a Decepticon. He is part of the subgroup Insecticons. His function is electronic warfare. His first appearance is Transformers issue number 16. His quote is, control electricity and you control the world. So yeah, he was part of, uh, what, it was uh, Straxus's crew in the Marvel comics. Yeah, I thought, I thought their introduction in the the cartoon was a little bit more individual, but you know. Yeah, they were just kind of more guys in the comic, pretty much. I, I always felt bad for Shrapnel because he always seemed to take a backseat to Bombshell. 
Well, he was. It seemed like he was the leader in the cartoon. Yeah, yeah, it definitely seemed like yeah. he. Was, and he he was like it seemed like he was Straxus's like second in command, like in the comics, like mm-hmm. or, or at least his like right hand like aide yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, he he's getting a new toy apparently by like the horrible pronunciation Scrapnel. Yeah, cause mm-hmm. they, I guess they can't like they, they can't do Decepticon Trapnel or whatever. I guess. Yeah. Well, I guess that's better than what Sharp Shot or whatever they had to call him before, but yeah, or, or uh, what was fucking Bombshell called? Hard Shell. Yeah, Hard Shell. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, Shrapnel. He he he's another one of those guys. I I think you know, sadly, his his biggest characterization again, delving into uh, Transformers lore, was when Waspinator went crazy and he was like, "I'm Insecticon Shrapnel." Well, you know, he, I think he had a pretty decent role in the cartoon, at least. Like, at least using the lightning and stuff, like the uh, elemental yeah. powers, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that, was, that was a pretty cool moment, yeah. Yeah. He, he, he just, he, he had a few, like, good moments, but he never, you know, I mean, again, it's, it's, it's the same thing with Transformers uh, bad guys in G1. There's so many good characters, but they focus on the leaders, and they focus on the prime players, so... Shrapnel just kind of got pushed to the back. He had a, a good moment, and I, I, I always liked the uh, episode in season three where the Septicons were going, Insecticons were going crazy, and uh, the Protectobots had to fight them. I thought that was good. And they stole like the the fucking whatever it was. Yeah, that was that the the second Bruticus episode, I think. Yeah, because then they have to. I forgot. It might miss season two because they did kind of meld season three characters with season two. So yeah, I was gonna say I don't remember that season three episode, but I, I probably yeah, yeah, Defensor, Bruticus, Superion, and Motor Minosaur uh, were all supposed to be season three, but they just kind of shuffled them in there, just like Shockwave was season two, but he was in season one just because they kind of wanted to plant the seeds for you to buy the toy. Yeah, I think most of these guys, you know, the, when they were sort of third-party villains or a third faction, you know, they were... I mentioned this on some of the other shows, but, you know, kind of like Zartan and G.I. Joe, it's like Shrapnel and those guys are always more interesting when they're their own faction, and then once they sort of become incorporated into the Decepticon army, then they kind of lose some of their allure and mystique or what have you, but that's pretty much... All I've got to say about Shrapnel, um, unless you want to go into like, oh, Shrapnel turned into, you know, a sweep or <laughs> whatever, or, or well, turned into I, I, th- I think the only thing that you could say is actually the Insecticons were actually the only group that actually stayed away from the Decepticons proper because they, even Megatron was like, you guys are assholes, you mm-hmm. know, like he he was like kind of pissed off at them because. Uh, they would always do their own thing. So that that was kind of a cool little uh, storyline that, like, the Insecticons were always just like, you know, fuck you, Megatron, Tron, Tron. Direct fuck, quote. Fuck, 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 <laughs> you, you, you. That's exactly what they said in the cartoon. Yeah. On, the, on the children's cartoon, they were like, fuck you, Megatron. Yeah. Megatron's like, bitches be stealing my riches. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going to do a good one now. Sideswipe 
is an Autobot. His function is Warrior. His first appearance is Transformers issue number one. His quote is, I don't break rules, I bend them. A lot. I'd swipe here that blackface Halloween costumes are still racist. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate this fucking art. This art is horrible. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sell Sideswipe that well at all. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, um, he, he, it kind of looks like, like, they, they just took, like, the, the paint bucket tool in Photoshop. <laughs> They're like, we got a lot of red and black left over. What are we going to do? <laughs> like they, just did, they did three clicks, and they're like, all right, I'm done. I'm tired. Let's go. But, but, hey, make his gun gray. It'll look cool if his gun is gray. Make it steely looking. Uh. I've, I've always liked Sideswipe, but I think, like, I enjoy his, like, G2 portrayal, like, a lot better. And, like, I'm, I'm so happy to get that, like, ma- upcoming masterpiece G2, like, side swipe. Like, not that's because awesome. you bought the toy, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I don't have anything against him as a character either. I think he's pretty cool, you know. And, well, I mean, uh, and again, I'm going to reference shit we shouldn't reference, but in G1, he didn't really do a whole lot. And even in Rid, he's a much better character. Yeah, you know, he's just kind of a, he's kind of like a Flash Thompson, like, sort of type, I guess. Like, he's a jock, it says, like, you know. Yeah. And, I kind of think of him like, you know, when people always pose the question, like, would people have accepted Rodimus Prime's character more if Hot Rod was, like, part of the season one cast? Like, I always kind of think of Sideswipe when people ask that question for some reason. Like, like, what if Sideswipe was the one who became, like, the leader of the Autobots, you know? You know, swipe him as Prime, or, you know, (laughs) right? It's like, you know, you're Side Prime! Yeah, you know. Optimus swipe. Yeah, you know. Well, well uh, a fun little uh, note for uh, Transformers fans. Apparently, just like uh, um, Starscream and uh, Skywarp, apparently Sideswipe and Sunstreaker had their actual bios switched. Yeah, like the abilities section, if you read it, like it describes like elements of Sunstreaker's design and vice versa. With yeah, flares. Like, yeah, like the two shoulder-mounted flares and a jet pack. Like that's stuff that looks like it's on Sunstreaker, but not Sideswipe. Mm-hmm. And then like if you read some, I'm sure we'll get to it in a little bit, but as soon as we get to, what do you call, Sunstreaker, it says like, uh, what do you call, he has like a pistol or something and like a, one shoulder mounted rocket, which is what Sideswipe has, so I, I like Sun I like I like Sideswipe's uh vehicle mode a lot more and his robot mode a lot more. Cause Sunstreaker Sun has a really shitty robot mode in G one. Yeah. I'll say too that although like uh him and uh Sideswipe and Red Alert share molds as toys, like I always liked Sideswipe's animation model a lot better than Red Alert's. Like Red Alerts, they try to make more toy-like, and Sideswipe always seemed better proportioned and cooler looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, it's like they kind of like made Red Alert like squatter, or like they flat like like Bulkier, shorter yeah. him or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Does the masterpiece Sideswipe have like that jetpack that he gives to Prime or whatever? Not or yet. No. I know they did make a toy of that jetpack that comes with one of those, like, Japanese, like, prime models, maybe? Yeah. Or, or okay. something. I forgot what it comes with, but I don't think there's any Sideswipe that's compatible with it, though. Yeah. All right. Sideswipe, brother of Sunstreaker, moving on. 
We are now on Silverbolt. Silverbolt is an Autobot. His subgroup is Aerialbot. He is the Aerialbot commander. His first appearance is Transformers, issue number 21. His quote, don't look down, look straight ahead, because apparently he's afraid of heights. That's the first thing this says. Silverbolt is scared of heights. But he turns into a plane. So there you go. I will say one thing. This is really great art. I love this picture. Yeah, uh-huh. they certainly like improved the actual toy. Like I, I don't. I think it's like he added like parts of Superion's chest piece to Silverbolt's chest because those things on his shoulders look like part of like uh, Superion's chest plate. Yeah, okay. you know, it's really funny. I always did that with my Silverbolt. I always put the chest piece of Superion on his robot mode. Because he just had this flat, kind of weird, neutered, like, I'm not a man. Yeah, it looked like naked, almost. Yeah. Well, I look. I, I mean, I like how resolute he looks. The only thing that's, like, a little bit off, which I can totally forgive, because the gun is smaller than uh, Silverball's actual gun, but it's really well detailed. This is a really great drawing. I love the, like, cross-hatching and legs, and it's just, like... I really, I really like this art. This is like, this is a very good, well rendered piece. <laughs> they they used more than two colors on him too. So yeah. I was gonna say that's actually not like cross hatching for artistic design. That's actually because the toy model is supposed to be made of wood. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's well shaded. I'm yeah. Well, what do you guys think about so, superior? Uh, not so superior, but so both like a uh, fear of heights. I also thought that was kind of cool. He's like, he's a jet, but he's scared of it. It seemed but, like something like the Larrys of the world would like glom all over, where they're like, "Great, we got a we got a hook for a story. What's your story, <laughs> Larry?" And they're like, "Well, we got this guy, and he turns into a plane. Okay, and then he's afraid of heights. I love it, Larry. Now, what what happens? Does he learn to overcome his fear? Sort of, you know. And it's like, all right, let's do it, you know. And it's like it's a two part story and. It'd be yeah, better if, like, every, if it wasn't, like, every single time Silverbolt showed up, it always, like, I'd better not look down, because, as you well know, I'm afraid of heights, you know? Yeah, it's, it's part of his sort of uh, clunky, expositional, audible dialogue, where, you know, you, you sort of have to, you know... It'd be like, if like, like, Hotspot was, like, you know, like, hey, Hotspot, there's a fire downtown. Oh, my God, fire! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I am Storm, Mistress of the Winds. You know, it's like we know. You know, like <laughs> yeah. I, I will say one thing. Um, this is not about Silverbolt, but like you know what? A lot of people give a massive amount of love to uh, Superion as a uh, combiner. I fucking hate Superion. He has the worst combiner mode. I think we're all agreed on that for the toy mode, at least. Yeah, it's so clunky, and the legs look crappy, and just... And I always hate how it's like, oh, Defensor's okay. I'm like, Defensor is so fucking great. He's yep. a great G1. Yeah, we said that. Like, I, I was like, yeah, Defensor looked like someone I actually wanted, whereas Superion was like someone I was like, eh. Yeah, it's just, ugh. I hate the, the fan aura about Superion. Uh, I, I blame, like, fucking Pat Lee's, like, Marshmallow design where like everybody has like big ass like legs and arms and shit. 
We can make this look better. It doesn't look right, but it looks better. We think. Yeah, I don't know. But as far as Silverbolt, I don't have a problem with them. I mean, I I, I like the, uh, not the comic, but I like the uh, first appearance for him in the uh, G1 cartoon where, like, you know, they're like, you're a transport shuttle. And it's like, yeah, that's kind of cool. <laughs> I, I guess, I guess it, yeah, I guess it helps that, like, in the cartoon, like, all the other aerial bots were, like, dickholes. So, like, you know, and, yeah. like, Silverbolt was, like, the only friendly one. So it's like. Dickhole sound off. Four. Not dickhole sound off. One. <laughs> One, two, three, four. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like if they were like on The Walking Dead, you know, like Silverbolt would be like the one guy who would, you know, not be an asshole pretty much. But yeah. By the way, for the fans listening, he has a really good classic toy. You should pick it up. Yeah, I like Silverbolt's toy, uh, classics toy. Yeah. It's a it's a little like simplistic, I guess, but like it it's a it, really simple yeah transformation. But it's, I just wish he was smaller. That's my only complaint. I, I do like the Japanese version better. Has better colors. He is very tall. Mm-hmm. Very tall. So long, cruel world. Oh my god, the next one is gonna make Mike fucking cream his pants. You shouldn't keep assuming things about me, Tony. If yeah, there's lots of build-up. I mean, we got listeners here. They might be expecting Mike to cream his pants now. And then if we turn the page and he's not that into it, then, you know, it's kind of a letdown, so. Well, if if if, if he doesn't, I will, like, shoot whipping cream on his pants for him, because I'm not that gross. But Whoa, I'm... whoa, whoa. Let's not go nuts here. <laughs> All right. Why are you assuming he's wearing pants? Quit jumping ahead. Yeah, I know. Oh, my God. All right. Transformers. Next up, we have Skids. It's S with kids behind it. Skids. He is an Autobot. <laughs> he is, his function is a theoretician. His first appearance is Transformers, issue number 14. In the, uh, deep into the heart of the Brick Springsteen E Street Band craze. His quote is, deep down, we are more like than unlike humans. And I want all IDW writers who wrote All Hell Megatron and all this other fucking ongoing crap, I want you to read that quote again, guys. Deep down, we are more like than unlike humans. So if you have trouble writing Transformers because they're like machines, like, don't trip out, they're just like us. So yeah, Skids! What do we got on Skids? Um, I will say his picture sucks because he's shocked and he doesn't know where he's going. <laughs> he's like, oh. It's like he's like paralyzed from the waist down or something. I, I kind of thought he was like in a pretty princess parade where he's just kind of profiling. <laughs> he's like, look at my guns! And he's just kind of got his hands down at his sides. Yeah, you know. He almost scored with a hot cowboy chick in the Marvel comics. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm about, I'm about to say, he, he, he got about as much time in normal comics as he did in the, the cartoon, just a little bit more. He got, he got a good hand-washing with a sponge, you know? <laughs> it, yeah. I think, like, Skids was an attempt to recapture the glory of the whole Ratchet Megatron thing, but it didn't quite work out. Nah. 
I mean, yeah, he's like, I don't think he's terrible or anything, but he's not, like, I don't know. He is one of those guys that looks kind of dumpy looking or just like, I don't know, his his character model. I think his toy actually looked a lot more dynamic than his his character. That's what I was going to say. It's almost backwards with him. Like, his toy looks leaner and cooler than what they did with the animation model. Well, if you look at his arms, his arms, if you take it in a human perspective, his arms are hanging off the bottom of his ribs. <laughs> yeah. That just looks really weird, so... <laughs> and, of course, Skids is infamous for only showing up twice in the original cartoon, and each time he was voiced by a different person. And one time he got completely trashed and by Blitzwing and Astrotrain, so yeah. A slightly better career in the Marvel comics, except for that time where he got shunted into Limbo... Uh, in the UK comics and was missing for like a hundred issues. And then like during Time Wars, like Optimus Prime is in limbo and he's like, oh yeah, Skids is here too. I remember him. <laughs> like, uh, like a, oh yeah, we probably should have looked for Skids, huh? Like, He's doing much better now. Yeah, at least he's got a starring role now in like the IDW comics. Like, And he's got yeah, a, yeah. and that's led to a cool like new toy he's going to get soon too, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, he, he seems to be kind of a badass in the new comics. I don't know how that ties into his his theoretician function, but but that's fine. That's cool. He's a super learner, Derek. That's what he does. <laughs> He's a super learner. He watched a lot of Born Identity before he got on The Lost Life. <laughs> yes. Nice. Yeah. All right. Moving on. We are on Skydive. Skydive is an Autobot. His subgroup is Aerialbot. His function is Air Warfare Strategist. I don't know that there was a lot of strategy going on with the Aerialbots, but okay. First appearance, Transformers, issue number 21. His quote, only by studying the past can we win the present. This is a perfect example of a character who should have been, like, delved into more, because I really like his Texas bio. He's a historian. He can fly better than most Decepticons, according it to the... Sounds like Skydive and, uh, and Justin would be, like, best friends. Yeah. Yeah, I know. He's, like air, like, air Force history or whatever. Like He's probably, like, a history buff. Yeah, but they never did this with the comics or the cartoon. It's a shame, because I, I understand it's a smaller toy. But he has a really great bio. I mean, I, I, I really enjoy like how he's kind of fleshed out in just you know one or two paragraphs. It's a it's a really good bio. I always like the lightning bolts like on his wings. <laughs> and stuff. I was, I was, That's exactly I was, what I was gonna say. I was like searching for lightning bolts. I was searching for things to say about skydive. Yeah, I, I was about to make fun of him, but you say you like him, so we're we're sort of on the same trail, you know. I guess cool that makes sense if he's if he's a history buff, you know that that he's got these kind of detailing or whatever, right? So he's got a cool sounding gun, a nega gun. He's just gonna, gonna, I don't want to fight. Fuck it. <laughs> I give up, whatever. He shoots a beam that, like, makes people, like, have negative emotions or something. Oh, this is dumb. Let's let's leave. He's like, I, I, I can't, 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 wait, wait, wait. All right. Skydive, the negative transformer. All right, so Skydive has a cool profile. 
He is a member of the Aerial Bots. But moving on, we are on Skylinks. And uh, Skylinks at this point had not yet appeared in the comics. If I remember my Marvel comics, he did show up eventually like in issue 33 or 34. Yeah, around so, there. Yeah, and he is a lieutenant commander. Um, his quote is, The best achievements are worth repeating. So yeah, Skylinks. I find I find it odd that like his least seen mode is given like the biggest picture here, like the the bottom links part or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't even have a picture of his like combined mode. Like, oh, you mean like with the top and the, the bottom? Dragon yeah. Walker. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I guess that is kind of odd. Did you, Brian? Did you have a Skylinks or? No, I didn't get him until the Encore release. But I know he's, like, made by that toy box company that made Omega Supreme. So yeah. they must have been, like, really into kind of, like, larger walking toys. Yeah, motorized, I was yep. going to say. Like, my roommate had one. Like, I got to play with him a little, and I was like, yeah, he's pretty cool. I remember he was he broke easily. Like, I don't know, like, either his walking gimmick or, like, the way his legs were since, like, it had the motorized gimmick. Like, if yeah. one of them broke, like, it would just go limp and stuff. So he'd just, like, mm-hmm. fall over. <laughs> Oh, and, like, sucks. I've only messed with them, like, a couple of times, but I think there's something weird, too, where, like, you you think you'd be able to move and pose the legs, but since they're connected to that motor, like, if you try and do it the wrong way, like, it's easy to break. So, like, you'd kind of be SOL if you didn't pay attention to what you were doing. Yeah. No, Skylink's always made me laugh, because he he was such a dick in Season 3. He was such an asshole. <laughs> Was he like that in the comics? Like, oh, the only thing I really remember is like, that Carnival comic. But, like, did he have that same attitude in the comics, too? I I think maybe he did just because he yeah. had a boatload of kids. Like, yeah, I remember that's that. All I, that's all I really remember. I mean, if, if if you take anything away from Skylinks, it's that he kind of talks down to you, whether it's in the cartoon or the, the, the comics. But I think in the case of the comics, like, it kind of made a little more sense because he had, like, mm-hmm. four Earth humans. So it's like, all right. Um, Earth humans, you know, like, I'm going to transform now, you know, and you're just kind of like, okay. I do and recall, at- like, his his big debut issue, which I, now that I think of it, I think it was, like, 36 okay. Marvel, but he was, like, old pals with Wheeljack, and Wheeljack, like, called him in to, like, depose, like, Grimlock, because that was, like, oh, in the okay. of King Grimlock's reign, and, like, he fights the Dinobots, and, like, he makes a good showing of it and stuff, so, but I remember, like, in the comic, instead of, like, splitting up, like, they just kind of treat him as, like, a triple changer, like, he turns into Link's mode, and that, like, bird upper half of him, like, just kind of disappears, sort of, like, it, like, like, morphs into, like, the <laughs> mode, kind of. But well, they, they did that in the cartoon too, didn't they? No, most of the time yeah. in the cartoon he just kind of split up, or he stayed in like combined mode where like he'd have the four legs, but the dino like the it, space it would be shuttle head. Yeah. When he transformed, he'd have the legs like the fucking crawler and shit. Yeah. I just remember yeah. like sometimes you'd see him in the Lynx mode using the same voice, and it wasn't like yeah. it really gave him. But much like at the dino, the the upper mode would be flying around too, or whatever. Uh, fun, fun trivia fact: He appeared in Red for like an issue, and he was still an egotistical bastard. So good job. And then he crash landed. Yeah. <laughs> so, good job, Skylink. In the face. Yeah. Um, I oh. guess I guess another thing he did was since we we had talked about it before, you know, much in in the 
long line of Autobot, uh, you know, frequent flyer miles or what have you, you know, Skyfire and Omega Supreme and, you know, Skylinks could also write, like, take people along for rides and stuff like that, so. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was, a, he was a transporter, too. Were they, were they officially given permission to use Skylinks, or was he just another of those toys they, like, sort of poached for the Transformers line? I'm not even sure, but... They, they poached it, but I think Takara and Tomy had joined at that point, so it was not a big deal. That's true, yeah. Did you ever own a Skylinks, Tony, or...? No, I had a friend who did. Um, he was a cool toy. I never had an Omega Supreme either. But they, they you could tell, even by the uh, Hasbro release, I got to play with Skylinks with our friends, uh, Skylinks. Even the plastic was a little different. There was a little bit of a, you know, it wasn't not well detailed. It wasn't a bad toy. But it wasn't just the same. This, as, like, well, yeah, me and me and Brian were talking about how he was really fragile as a toy. Yeah. Like his that walking gimmick didn't work right all the time, or it 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 really if it broke, like you'd be stuck with a crippled Skylinks pretty much. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that's because it wasn't a, a Takara toy. You know, it's like it just kind of didn't have the same quality. Tommy's not a bad you know toy manufacturer. I'm not going to sit here and slam them, but I I think there was a a little dip in quality, just a little bit, you know. I refuse to participate in this kangaroo court. All right, so we're done with Skylinks. We're going to move on to Skywarp. Skywarp is a Decepticon warrior. His first appearance is Transformers issue number one. His quote, strike when the enemy isn't looking. Skywarp, I, he's a sneaky bastard. I realized Skywarp could use the only Decepticon jet I had when I was a kid. I didn't have Starscream or Thundercracker. I love stealth jet Skywarp, and that's about all I can say. Honestly, he was probably the jet to have. He had the coolest coloring, you know, the purple and black. I always thought it looked like an awesome toy. He was really cool. Um, I think he had one of the cooler superpowers. He was the night nightcrawler of the Decepticons, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Too bad he's a big dope. Like he's always like a big idiot, I guess. Like according to his profile, and yeah, he's a prankster. He doesn't really give a shit about what he does. Yeah. And since this is the first like seeker or non conehead seeker uh, one we've encountered, I'd like to point out something funny with the character model, which is reused for Thundercracker and Skywarp. But Jose Delbo would always draw them with only one of those side vents on the side of their heads because the other one is hidden behind that shoulder thing. <laughs> like, so it, like Starscream, like in the underbase saga always has like just one like ear sort of, cause like he, he, I guess he assumed that they were supposed to have only one of those like side vents or whatever. Okay. Actually, it's really kind of cool because this, uh, um, comic model is actually toy accurate for one reason. The Seekers actually had gold labels over their eyes, and he actually does have gold eyes. He doesn't have red eyes. Just a little fun fact for uh, the... Also, another fun those, fact... Those were a pain in the ass to put on the face. Oh, my God, <laughs> yeah. I guess they were. God. They were, like, not even like, not even an inch long, like, inch, like, thick. You had to, like, really work those damn things in there. Uh, fun fact for uh, Transformers listeners... Actually, in the uh, Diaclone series, uh, Thundercracker, I believe, was released first, right? 
No idea. Yeah, no clue. I think Thundercracker was first, and then uh, Starscream, and then Skywarp. So you actually had the uh, Blue Angels model, which is what he was taking from, to be the first Diaclone release. So Thundercracker was actually, quote-unquote, the leader of the Seekers for the Diaclone line. But, yeah, they changed Starscream because he has more accurate uh, military colors, even with the red stripes. So. Now, uh, do we want to talk anything about... Uh how people wish, like, Skywarp was the one who turned into Cyclonus, like, or not? You know, I uh, I don't know about Brian or Mike, but at this point, I don't care. I mean... It, yeah. It, it, it I think, yeah. It's I like, let it go a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not like, yeah, it's not like they're so, like, intrinsically linked or anything. I mean, Cyclonus is his own character, so yeah. I, mean, I don't think it matters too much, really. It never really yeah. mattered to me much, but it seemed like, like just like Rumble is red, Frenzy is blue, and all that, it just seemed like this heated, contentious kind of uh, discussion among the fan base, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, There's some like, people who just want things so bad, you know, they kind of, you know, oh, yeah, it's got to be this way, you know, so... Yeah, the only thing I ever had problem with the, the movie is like when they said like Cyclone is in his armada, and it's like you never see his fucking armada again. It's not that I, I want it; it's just like they said he has an armada, and it's just all scourges. So you could have done something with that. But. Cyclonus and his and his uh, like pre-script, you know, uh, unchanged error. <laughs> Cyclonus <Whatever>. and himself. <laughs> I, I, I just always took that line as, you know, the armada of Scourge in the sweeps. Like, I never read, like, a bunch into it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah well, you know, the the reason there is that is because that second Cyclonus behind him is because Cyclonus was intended by the original script to have, like, his own, like, sweeps and stuff. Uh, they didn't, yeah. yeah. After that one shot of the two Cyclonuses, that never comes up again. So yeah, I mean it's not it's not like something that's gonna like haunt me in my dreams. But every once in a while I watch the movie, I'm like, oh, it, I mean, hey, you know what? I've got a purple Cyclonus and I've got a dark purple Cyclonus. Cyclonus in purple is Cyclonus. Dark purple is his Armada. Fuck it, I got there it. There you I go. Got yeah, yeah. I, got I think Armada took a straight shot from the Nega Ray from Sideswipe and was like, "F this, I'm <laughs> out of here. This movie sucks." <laughs> I don't want to fly in space. I want to go home. What's TV? Does anyone have the... Is there a Masterpiece Skywarp? Yeah. Yeah. Walmart exclusive. I have that. He's not not too shabby. I like him. I actually don't like the Masterpiece Seekers. They seem kind of out of place to me. But now the the problem is, like, to get off on another tangent, like, um, like I really love the scale between, like, the MP10 Optimus Prime and, like, the newer Autobot cars, but I have, like, the Hot Rod Masterpiece, and now he doesn't fit in anywhere very good, because it's, like, it's it's weird standing next to Optimus with those cars in front of him, because they're, like, half his size. But anyways, yeah, the Seekers seem kind of out of place uh, size-wise, too. I guess you yeah. just have to say that he's Rodimus size instead of Hot Rod size. Yeah. All right. Well, moving on to the next entry, we have Slag, and yes, it's Slag, not Slug. Agreed. Uh, Agreed. Not not Autobot Slag. It's Slag. So yeah, Slag is an Autobot. His subgroup is Dinobot. His function: flamethrower. His first appearance: Transformers issue number four. His quote. I have no need for friends, even less for enemies. 
Originally, Slag was supposed to be the only person who could uh, throw flames from his Dinobot mode, but they changed that really fucking quick. Did the others do it? Yeah. Grimlock like, I remember and, uh, shooting, like, energy swords and sh- crap from their tails, but I don't remember them breathing fire like Slag did. No, yeah, they did. They kind of gave that generically to all the Dinobots. Hmm. Yeah. Like even the, even Swoop, I think, was shooting fire from his mouth at some point. So. In the tune or in the comics? In the tune, yeah. Yeah, oh, I totally like blank on that. Yeah, it was like it was like a thin stream, but it was like still flame. Yeah. I will say one thing though. I will give the the uh, artist credit. That is totally Slash gone from his uh, toy. That is awesome. It is. It is. Um, I Slag was the first Dinobot I bought because the. Triceratops is my favorite dinosaur, so I, I enjoy this figure. I think, I know uh, in the past we had discussed the idea of sense memory and just, you know, knowing how to transform a, you know, a G1 Transformer by sheer, you know, maybe length of time you've owned it and, and that kind of idea. And I think for me, um, Slag is definitely one of those Transformers where I have a firm understanding of the transformation. Mm-hmm. I don't. Know. The only thing with Slag's toy that I always annoyed me is I never knew what to do with his tail in robot mode. Like you could either like lay it down flat so he had sort of a third leg, or just fold it all the way up so he had a massive backpack. So like, <laughs> I, I, like I always I always flipped it up. Yeah, I was like I don't know. I, I was always kind of annoyed with that. I guess. Yeah. I will say that as of like all the Dinobots, like Slag also has an awesome toy. Amazingly well designed, and he looks awesome in animation. Like, I don't know, Dinobots just cool look cool no matter how you do them. They're great toys and great characters. Can we you know discuss that um, Canadian red horn thingamabob, Brian? Yeah. So, um, like his not apparent here, but in animated form, um, he always had like white thighs and a red face. But the U.S. toy release was more like um, his appearance here in the comic. But in Canada, they actually released uh, the kind of cartoon accurate toy. So it actually, I like a, I like his appearance as a toy a lot better that way too, um, with the white thighs and the red face. But he is kind of like rare, and like you know, people in the know like want a G1 cartoon accurate slag. So it's, he's kind of pricey too. Yeah, I actually lucked out, and what I did was um, I ended up buying, like, a really junked-up, like, Canadian slag, so his, like, legs were broke and stuff, um, but it's, like, you know, everything else was intact besides, basically, his, uh, his lower legs, and so I bought, like, a couple, you know, crappy American slags, and I just swapped parts on them, because a lot of the G1, you know, you just pull out a couple screws, and you can switch parts. So I was able to able to make a like a Canadian slag like really cheaply, so it worked out really well. Slag is long overdue for like a new toy or an up like oh, an yeah. update to his G one toy. Mm-hmm. Well, they probably can't call him slag, right? They gotta call no, him like, slug uh, or they call him slop or some stupid. Well, I'll I'll defend the name the name slug because it isn't like aside from like you know I I know it conjures up thoughts of like a insect or you know a slimy like whatever like a crawling thing, but it also you know it it does fit like his personality because it can also slug also obviously means punching someone. 
Slug also means like a round of ammunition, and slug also means like a, a hot, like you know, thing that a blacksmith like sort of punches out out of like a hot sheet of metal. So, I mean, it all that all still kind of fits him. So, like, that's what I'll say for in defense of like if, as for all the names that they could have, if they absolutely can't lo- use slag, like slug isn't terrible. Yeah, well, I, I I always thought in my own head. I mean, I could be wrong because they never really defined like a hierarchy. But slag always seemed to be the second in command to me. I'd go with that. I mean, it's certainly not uh, sludge. Was a moron. Sludge. <laughs> yeah, sludge. In, in the comics, I would in the comics I would say it was swoop, but like in the cartoon, it was definitely slag. Yeah, yeah. Swoop is smart, and he like charismatic, but, like, I, I think if if you were Grimlock, you'd be like, you know, I totally want Slag, because Slag is, like, you know, like me, he's a, he's a, you know, he's a hard-ass, he's a jerk, <laughs> so, um, I, I think my favorite thing about Slag, and it, it's actually about all the Dinobots, this is a toy thing, it's not, like, a Transformers Universe thing, I love the gold bits, like, like, you're talking about the tail, and, like, Grimlock with the chest, I love the really intricate, like, machinery detail behind the plastic. Yeah, we talked about that before, too. There's a lot of, like, attention to detail on these figures. Yeah, they they looked really fucking nice. And, I mean, we're not talking about, like, you know, toys made now. We're not talking about, like, current toys. We're talking about, like, 30-year-old toys. And these things have really nice sculpted detail. They're really, they're really well done. I mean, really are. That's all got slag, but email's got thrown. Go ahead. I, I feel like we gave uh, Slag his due. I mean, I, I enjoy him as a toy. Um, I do, you know, I, I'd be happy for you guys to get a an updated version of him that you guys would be happy with. And, and of course, you know, a lot of the Dinobots were featured in the, the video games, too. So there's that as well. So. Beryllium baloney! Cesium <laughs> salami! All right. Excuse me. <laughs> All right. So uh, on our way from cesium salami and beryllium baloney, we are now on Slingshot. Slingshot is an Autobot. His subgroup is Aerialbot. His function is ground troop support. His first appearance is Transformers issue number 21. His quote, I'm even better than I think. Um, I think I think it's funny dick. that Mike. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. That Mike called uh, Sideswipe the the jock, because when I think of like jocks, like slingshots, like a total jock, like just dickhead, like you know, person you want to avoid. I will. On, I don't think anyone will disagree with me when I say that on all levels, like fictional toy, like character design, slingshot is absolutely the worst aerial bot. <laughs> that was that was the first aerial bot I ever had, so I don't I don't see it that way. But but that doesn't mean that my opinion is invalid and void. No, it, it so, totally is, Derek. Yeah. <laughs> Derek, maybe not know if he's bald. Slingshot, slingshot he's is, is a vertical bald. is a vertical takeoff and landing. I mean, look, his function is ground troop support. You know why? Because they're like, yeah, we don't really want you up there in the, like, clouds with us. <laughs> Go help the guys on the ground. No, his function is ground troop support is because he can land. Like, he can... He, How about he, you quit flying? Off. Just, like, stop flying. <laughs> eh, Slingshot's fine. <laughs> I love fine. you, that, Eric. You're my, you're my boy, but he's, he's a bald, arrogant son of a bitch. Yes. Sweet. 
good. <laughs> Derek is so mad right now. I mean, Rolls Royce loving mother trucker. <laughs> Look at his weakness. Like it's like his aerial bot friends like even leave him behind because they hate him so much. <laughs> See? That's awesome. Slingshot. Yeah. <laughs> I thought Autobots were like supposed to be all about the sanctity of life. What does that that mean? That they they, they conveniently abandon their principles when it comes to slingshot. Well, no, I don't know. I don't know. Not, not about the sanctity of dickheadedness. Just because somebody's a dickhead doesn't mean you should like abandon your <laughs> comrade in the middle of a, a wartime situation. I mean, yeah, who else seems like a convenient way to get rid of people. All right, nobody nobody likes slingshot except for me because I bought him a long time ago. Moving on. Sludge! Sludge, the dumbest uh, Dinobot to ever live. Sludge is a jungle warrior, and his function is demolitions. His first appearance is Transformers issue number four. His quote, Dump your enemy, crush him under your feet. I call BS on that, because I don't think he could even say that full sentence. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't I think, think he could demolition. He actually said, he actually just went, Stomp. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, but they, they yeah. If it helps, Derek, you you get some some reprisal points because Sludge is fucking dumb as a brick. So yeah, no 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 like, fucking argument there. God. He also, you know, what's funny is like it's hard to like because like I guess the Dinobots are supposed to be badass, but like he I I know technically scientifically there is no such thing as a brontosaurus anymore but at the time he was a brontosaurus and I guess now they would call him an apatosaurus but like yeah. still they either way whichever skull is on top of the fucking neck like he was a herbivore so or, or they yeah, and he has herbivores. pointy teeth yeah <laughs> yeah so it's like it's like it's kind of like a throwback to like like 1930s uh movies of of Brontosauruses that are like all like you know kind of like like if they took like a Plesiosaurus's like skull and stuck it on the top and was trying to make it all threatening and terrible, but it's really you know they they ate trees and stuff. I mean, it wasn't like it was a big deal, you know. Yeah. Well, that kind of happened to Grimlock too, where like you know in the cartoon and the toy, he's kind of shaped like the old style thought of like what Tyrannosaurus Rex was, where they had that yeah. like tripod position and stood upright. And, yeah, you know, no, shortly right thereafter, there. it's like, no, that's completely wrong. They right. lean forward, and their tail's all there for balance and stuff. Right, so. right. I find it interesting that his character model here, instead of having his rifle, he has, like, his missile launcher. Yeah, I was looking at that. Like, a super soaker or, like, a Nerf gun? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that could be as well, yes. Even now, he, and, you know, it's Darius Friday again. He has the kind of derpy face. He's like... I take picture. <laughs> <laughs> it's like sludge, sludge. Look over here. No, no, over, over here, sludge. Like yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To your yeah. left. To your other left. Uh, <laughs> right, right. Uh, it's kind of like, like, like sludge was like ET, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> I do like um. In the IDW comics, like finally, finally, like someone with a brain, like like designed him that he's bigger than all the other Dinobots. Like you know that that's cool. Like he he stands like heads and tail, like heads and tails. I said over like the other Dinobots because his obviously his his dinosaur mode should be bigger than all of them. So well, maybe maybe in in another way too. Like you could you could go into like that whole 
like uh, talking about more scientific discovery, maybe they decide that slu- uh, um, Sludge is like an Ultrasaurus or something, you know, so thus he's he's even bigger than, you know, what would normally be viewed as a, you know, a brontosaur or a patasaurus or what have you. So. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think what they really wanted to do in the 80s that they couldn't do now, and they could do it now, is like they were just going to go with the idea of he's stupid, he'll kill things, but they couldn't go with the he'll kill things now. And mm-hmm. he's pretty much an instrument. He's like, Go do that sludge. He's going to be like, okay, <laughs> you know. And they couldn't do that back then. So I mean, I I see his worth as a Dinobot, but he's yeah, he, he's he's def- definitely the the weakest of the the original trio. Yeah. Oh. As and as we all know, he got totally choted in the video game. He did. He did. Mm-hmm. Like, he was he was like the snarl of the video game, sort of. I was always hoping there'd be like DLC that would rectify that where you actually got to rescue him and play as him, but it didn't happen. All you do is you find Sludge's like corpse embedded in a wall and Jazz is like, Oh look, it's Sludge. Oh well. I'm like, you know. <laughs> He's, He's like, Hey guys, come back. <laughs> yeah, he's like, Sludge just Wait here, then you know. <laughs> you, know you know what happens? Shit happens. Bye. What do you say? So you know what happened? They would have saved him, but uh, they put up a hologram, the Decepticons, and it was a slingshot. So everybody just kept walking past him. <laughs> clearly, clearly. Bastard Autobots. Anyway, of course. Awesome. All right. Next up, we have Smokescreen. Smokescreen is an Autobot. His function is Diversionary Tactician. His first appearance is Transformers issue number 14, again, rocking it to the E Street Band. And his quote, a look can be deceiving, a touch can be lethal. It sounds like uh, some kind of, you know, romance thriller or something. Like, where it's like it's like a line out of uh, Batman Returns where they're talking about mistletoe or something. <laughs> I gotta say, I am disappointed that they chose to take his profile picture like the week he was suffering from fecal impaction. It was like constipated. You know, give him a chance to clear out. He doesn't look like this. Come on, guys. I I know. Even his hands are large. (laughs) (laughs) See, what happened was those are his swimming trunks and he just came out of the pool. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Ryan, you were disappointed that the masterpiece toy for Smokescreen uses, like, this head, like, the fatty head and the weird, like, guns on his shoulder. Yeah, it looks kind of goofy, but whatever. I guess to make it different from, like, Blue Streak and Prowl, but... Yeah. I I give him credit on trying to do that, but, like, this is one of the rare cases where the G1 figure actually does it better. The air dam bumper... The, like, you know, the fins, you know, it's like, he doesn't look like Prowl. He doesn't look like Blue Streak. And the G1 pulls that off. And, like, even, like, you know, like, we'll go to Binal Tech or, you know, alternators. Like, you know, Smokescreen got his own figure. You know, he was first before Prowl or Blue Streak. And Blue Streak and Prowl had, you know, different molds. And Smokescreen, he just got kind of shitted on with, the, like, the fucking masterpiece thing. It's like... Let's give you these big fucking high 
two tall trees guns and this like really weird like neck thing. I mean, I I, <laughs> I had the classics smoke screen and you know what? The classics is better than this. Yeah. You know, it, it just it looks so much more streamlined and just like poor smoke screen. I mean, so, we all know him from the what the gamblers the gambler episode, right? Oh yeah, that's with that that proto cup character. What was that guy's name? Defcon. Defcon. Yeah. 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 He was he was really great in that episode. It was, he actually had like you know a little spotlight moment, but it was wow. great to have Kenny Rogers like voice guest too. Like, that was <laughs> <laughs> you gotta know where to fold him. Know where to hold him. Now I'm thinking of like Will Sasso's like impression of Kenny Rogers on Mad TV. Be like, like yeah. ah, smoke screen. How you doing? This is now kick, kick out for trying in the ball. This is a horrible drawing. It is so bad. It is so horrible. <laughs> he's, he's not a bad character. That's what really. Look at this fucking wings. His, his wings are like. Minuscule. He really does look like. I mean, Brian. He nailed. He looks like he's impacted. He's got so much shit in his body. <laughs> so, do you think like he gets thinner once he does the spy hunter thing and lets loose all the gas behind everybody? Yeah, I guess so. It's all it's all bloating pains and gas. Well, he's he's look look at his ass. He's got like a bedpan attached to his ass. <laughs> <laughs> It's actually that's actually the tray where they keep all the jello. The one, <laughs> Clearly. The one thing in scale is gun. That's the one thing in scale. Yeah, his guns drown really well to be honest. Yeah, the gun is great. Everything else is just like I, I can't move, I ain't too many twinkies. <laughs> uh hungry man dinners are a fucking Smokes. pain in the ass. Smoke screen. Come on, I haven't pooped in a week. <laughs> Smoke, I was going to say, smokescreen serves the very valuable function of, like, like wild turkey that Optimus Prime, like, sends out into the field to go, Hey, guys, over here! And they all shoot at him while, while the Autobots shoot at them, so. See, I, I, I know you're talking about a literal wild turkey, but I was picturing, like, you know, the Punisher with his bottle of wild turkey, and I was kind of like, what is Mike talking about, you know? <laughs> All right. So, I mean, unless unless we want to go into anything like like Prime stuff, where he could have been the next Rodimus Prime, but wasn't, uh, I think we're kind of done with Smokescreen. <laughs> I think Smokescreen was done with himself at that point. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, moving on. Next up, we have uh, Snarl. Uh, we've got uh, Desert. Warrior for Snarl, and his first appearance is Transformers issue number four. His quote is, only in war is there happiness. And he got a cruddy coloring job, just like Sideswipe. A cruddy coloring job, but that is a great drawing. I really like that pose. That's yeah. That's At least he got, a, yeah, he got a sword, his sword. It seems like in the cartoon, like he was the only one who used the sword. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it seemed, it seemed like in the cartoon he was part of the the second tier of of Dinobot, you know, because the the cartoon episodes just had, you know, Grimlock and Sludge and and Slag on the introductory episode, and then later we were introduced to Snarl and Swoop, who were the Stegosaurus and the uh, Pterodactyl. 
Yeah. Oh, Snarl, Snarl was probably my favorite Dinobot. I mean, much like you, Derek, like who likes the Triceratops, like I like the Stegosaurus. So like, okay. and like, I, and and like I've mentioned, like when I we talked about Dead End and Dirge, I like the depressing guys. Like I think they're funny. So and like Snarl's profile pretty much says like he's a miserable fuck. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I like those kinds of characters. So only in war they're miserable fucks. <laughs> Hey, does, I don't know. Maybe I. I do, do you guys have uh, the the misprint in the profile where it calls him Snark? Snark, yeah. <laughs> no. It says, it says, in fact, few of his comrades experience the joyous heights that Snark attains while locked in mortal combat. It could have been worse. They could have called him Snarf. R R Scratch. Snarf, snarf, Grimlock. Snarf, snarf, snarf. I'm not in the movie, snarf. <laughs> actually, I will agree with Mike and Derek. He actually was probably the coolest looking Dinobot. In robot mode, yeah, with like how his tail splits over his shoulders. Yeah, he's a yeah. very impressive looking figure. He was the first Dinobot I ever owned, although like it was the G2 one, but <clears throat> still. Yeah, I actually never got Grimlock or uh, Sludge. I had Slag, Snarl, and uh, Swoop. And I always loved Snarl. Snarl was just like, here's my guy. He was just like so badass looking. So, yeah. I got a Snarl second hand, but half of his tail was broken. So, kind of like how uh, Jose Delbo only drew that one exhaust on the Seeker. It was <laughs> like there was only one one half of the tail was uh, showing in robot mode. So He, he was your Cyclonus. <laughs> I guess, yeah, yeah. He, he had some battle damage, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, Snarl, I, I, he's, he's, again, like one of these mini characters who didn't really get a lot of character uh, development. So He was a badass, though. I, I loved that. That drawing, I, I agree with Mike. He should have got much better coloring. That would have been a great drawing. What What color was your G two Snarl, Mike? Oh, red. Oh, okay, he, he was red. Interesting. All right. Well, his dine, like all the parts that are gray, were red pretty okay. much. Okay. And his head was black. Yeah, I always remember those Dinobots being like funny colors, like green and blue and. Yeah, Grimlock was blue. Red. Yeah. So yeah. All right. Yeah. Cool. All right. So that's Snarl. Uh, moving on. Uh, this may be a lengthy entry. This is Soundwave. He's the Decepticons communications officer. His first appearance is Transformers issue number one. His quote, cries and screams are music to my ears. Now, this is kind of weird because I, I feel like the, the character design... I almost feel like he's got a mustache or a mouth rather than the sort of... Yes, yeah. uh, I was going to say, Jose Delbo often interpreted that as a mouth. Like, yeah. So Soundwave often had a mouth in the Marvel comics. Yeah, I want to talk to you. <laughs> well, it doesn't. It, it really doesn't look like the standard design of Soundwave, at least on that faceplate. I mean, not to me, anyway. I don't know. No. Well, there's, there's also some uh, color... Differences because his knee pads and vents are red, which is well, also he's basically yeah in the Marvel comics for some reason he was purple instead of blue. So right. yeah, yeah. So there's there's a lot going on here that's not quite accurate. I bet all like the U the like in the UK like all their like nicely paint, painted artwork had him blue. So I wonder if all the UK kids were like confused when Soundwave would when they'd reprint the US stuff and Soundwave would suddenly be all purple and stuff. 
the, the thing about the face, though, he's he so, like, he's in trepidation. He's like, oh, look at me. <laughs> I'm kind of scared. Even his posture is like, he's kind of yeah, he like, looks like He looks like a miserable, like, Garfield or something. <laughs> I hate Mondays. Or, Char- or Charlie Brown or something. I don't know. Yeah. I always thought the way his profile was described and sort of the way he acted in the comic books, I, I don't know why. I mean, I guess you could reconcile both interpretations, but, you know, in the cartoon, he was definitely Megatron's right-hand man. Like, you, you, you would almost be willing to say he is bar none the most loyal of all of Megatron's soldiers. Oh, yeah, yeah. In the cartoon, it was totally not his bio on the toy, yeah. I, I don't know that you couldn't reconcile it, but it just seems like it, in the bio, it seems like if he, even if he is the most loyal of Decepticons to Megatron, it seems like according to the bio, everyone else hates his guts. Do you know what I mean? Like maybe it's like that brown nose person, you know, in the class or at work or whatever it is where you're just like, oh, shut up, Soundwave. You know what I mean? Well, like stop, well, the, the, stop sucking Megatron's dick for one, one fucking minute, you know, like that kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah. Well, they're, they're kind of doing that in red right now, where everybody's like kind of getting on his ass and stuff. So, I do like like yeah, in Robots in Disguise, like that whole Soundwave origin issue, where like they kind of fold all versions of Soundwave into a single character, where they say like, yes, he does believe in Megatron, but like he uses all these dubious means to like further like the overall Decepticon cause and stuff. Yeah. And the thing about Generation 1 is, like, I mean, Derek is right. It's like, Soundwave was very one-note. It would be like, Soundwave! Well, when you, when you, you, you see... Fucking cola, like, yes, Megatron. Well, when you, when you really think about it, Soundwave did not have, like, a character in, like, the cartoon. Like, everyone's, like, always remembers him, but it's only because of his presence and his, like, voice and stuff. Like, he was just a yes-man, basically. Yeah, I, I think it is probably his most prominent role was actually in the movie when he actually showed his loyalty to Megatron. And he was like, he got his little fucking, you know, bitches to, like, carry, like, Megatron's gun and stuff, you know? Yeah, but even in even in the original pilot, the more than meets the eye, like the, the scenes where, like, Starscream tries to shoot Megatron in the back, it's like Soundwave actually screams out, you know, like, Megatron! You know, like, he's, like, freaking out about Megatron. it. Megatron! So, I mean, to me, like, I mean, I don't know, yeah, he's a yes man, but, I mean, he definitely was, like, you you know, that that was not the voice of, like, some kind of stoic opportunist or backstabber, at least in the case of Megatron, you know, it was, it was somebody who was like, you know, turn the fuck around, like, this guy's gonna try to gank you, you know, so. Well, I mean, I, I think in the early episodes, it's like, I mean, you have to look at what we have to work with. You have the cassettes, who are not gonna do anything as far as character development, and you have, you, you really do have, like, three characters. You have Starscream, who's the asshole. You have Megatron leader, and you have Soundwave, and you have Shockwave, but Shockwave is on a fucking planet, you know, millions of miles away, and we're going to figure out if we can do some shit with that, like, you know, next season. And I I think that's why they made Soundwave so loyal, despite his biography and the tech specs. And I actually like loyal Soundwave. I like the fact that he's loyal, because that is not what Decepticons do. They're usually 
assholes and, you know, jerks. If he's going for his own, like, you know, goals, that's that's totally fine. But, I mean, I like the idea of somebody following somebody for a good reason. You know, it was like, you know, Rodimus, you know, uh, Hot Rod and the autocracy thing. I actually did read, Derek. I actually read it over the time I was away. It was like he fell in line with Optimus's goals because he's like, I like what you believe in. And I like the idea that Soundwave falls into Megatron's thought process because he believes in Megatron. So, I mean, I like I like the build-up in the comics a lot more than the G1 cartoon and the, the comics. Because even in the comics, uh, Mike, am I wrong? Did Soundwave do a lot in the comics? Yeah. In the UK like future, he ends up being leader of the Decepticons because everyone else is dead by that point, pretty much. And like Galvatron time jumped away, so he takes over, pretty much. It, it always seemed to me like in the Marvel comics, like Soundwave was almost like aiding and abetting Shockwave whenever things were going Shockwave's way. Uh, yeah, it wasn't almost like he was. He was flat yeah. out favoring Shockwave. You know, yeah, so, yeah. like, there was there was that aspect to him, where, you know, of course, you know, being, you know, more familiar with the cartoon at first, you'd be kind of like, hey, what's up, Soundwave? You know, like, what are you doing? <laughs> what's going on with your crazy ass? I mean, yeah, I mean, well, well you know, actually, I mean, that's, that's kind of a credit to the people who write him, because he can be inter- interpreted so many ways. He's like, uh, uh, um, the Megatron spotlight actually did a really good thing. The last panel, I think it's like second to last page, is like Soundwave lurks, Shockwave plots, and Starscream schemes. I'm like, that that's pretty fucking perfect, you know? Yeah. As far cool. as the uh, the toys go, I did have a, a you know original sound wave. Um, and then I also had the action master at some point. So those were the, the toys that I have the most familiarity with, but I don't know if anybody else has any stories to share or anything like that. He's a sweet toy, but I always felt that his joints got real wobbly really fast. Okay. Yeah. Um, as far as a kid, sound wave was better than Megadron. Cause I had Skywarp. Skywarp was okay, but you had the fist you had to click on, and all the fucking bullshit you had to deal with with the jet. My friend had Megatron, and he was like kind of crappy looking in robot mode. But the sound wave was a beast. He he was taller than Megatron. Not a lot of people remember that, but he was the biggest Decepticon in that line. Well, Shockwave was certainly bigger than Soundwave. No, but but he wasn't in the first wave though. The, the first wave was just Soundwave, Megatron, the cassettes, and that's it. Uh, then the Jets, yeah. Anything else on, uh, like, have there been, like, there there have been other later Soundwave toys, too. Like, I know we, we, we talked a lot about the Masterpiece stuff because we talked about all the, the different tapes and stuff like that. I, I like War for Cybertron. Oh, not War for Cybertron, but uh, Fall of Cybertron Soundwave. That's just me, though. I like his animated toy, actually. It comes with a guitar that turns into mm-hmm. a laser beak. And <laughs> yeah. he can actually, oh, like, okay. he can actually, like, pose where it looks like he's, like, playing the guitar, so that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Sweet. All right. Soundwave, uh, voiced by the f- great Frank Welker, who nobody can actually recreate that voice ever again. Yeah. Uh, all right. So now we're, we're on to the next uh, big villainous S in the Decepticons. 
We are on Starscream himself, the Decepticon Aerospace Commander, or Aerospace Commander, sorry. Uh, Transformers issue number one is his first appearance. His quote, Conquest is made of the ashes of one's enemies. Megatron is the most popular character on the Decepticon side, but Starscream is the best villain. Yeah, I'd say that too. I was like the the sort of uh, early episodes where I when I I remember sort of watching it as an adult and kind of going oh you know Megatron never kills Starscream because it's like he's teaching his son you know yeah. like you don't you don't murder your son even though he tries <laughs> to do all these nasty things to you you know and I always thought of it like this kind of you know he's teaching him how to be a Decepticon, sort of, you know? And, and and he's always kind of giving him these Decepticon tidbits of life lessons and stuff, which I always found kind of interesting, you know? But, um, yeah, that's... I, I think I think when I was younger, I just... I was like... The minute Galvatron kills him in the movie, I was like, why didn't Megatron do that, like, at the beginning, you know? Like, I that always sort of baffled me, but I think later in life it sort of made more sense to me. I understand... Yeah, okay, you tried to kill me, I don't want to kill you. I mean, like, logically, that would make sense, you know, it was like, kind of fucked me over, asshole. But it's like, I think that's what Transformers Season 3 was missing, was Starscream's, like, charismatic, you know, Chris Lotta, his voice acting was really what made Starscream really great. There's, like, every, I think, I forgot who said it, but, like, it's like, no one can ever, like, recreate Chris Lotta's voice for Starscream pretty much. It's like totally unique. Like I know like I think it was um I think it was Tom Kenny who like obviously is the voice of SpongeBob SquarePants, but he voiced Starscream in Transformers animated and he kind of said something like, you know, there's like, you know, mo- a lot of voice acting is like doing impressions of things, but like Chris Lotta's Starscream is like a thing unto itself. Like, there's nothing like it, pretty much. I will rule the universe, even if I am the only one left in the universe! Yeah, you can do, you can do like, versions of it, but you can't do it. Yeah. It's like a weird, like, I, I don't know, it's, it has a very weird quality to it, if you listen, like... Uh, a you, great cadence, yeah, exactly. And and that's I think that's what Starscream was. It's like he was a character unto himself. It's like yeah, he was a cartoon character. We all watched the cartoon, yada yada yada. You know, it's like we saw him do his like machinations, and you know, we enjoyed his uh, cartoon presence. But there was a personality to Starscream. Even when I read the comics right now, I think Mike would agree. When I read like Red, I hear Chris Lotta saying those lines. Yeah. I think Starscream kind of has, like, the same appeal now as, like, sort of like Loki does, sort of. Like, you know, he's kind of the guileful, like, you know, uh, sort of villain. Yeah. Like, or the trickster, almost. Yeah, he he's not so much evil. He's just, like, he's he's a fucking douche. No, he, he's he's fucking evil, but, like, like he's very but, but there's, there, like, nice there, about it, basically. You can, as long as you're not the one getting betrayed, you can appreciate the skill 
in which he enables his his treachery. You know, like you can sit there and go, "Oh, that's pretty clever the way he f- dicked over these guys here and manipulated these guys over here, and eventually just fucking mows down this guy here." Like, I mean, it's all you know, you know, pretty. Um, he knows how to play the system. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, he, he he's he's gonna keep well, I mean, I don't know that he's an expert, but he's gonna keep working it till he gets what he wants, you know. So I think looking back at um the character as an adult like really heightens like how powerful his ambition was. Because when you think about it, technically he's like one of like three of the same guys, you know, one of three seekers. Or if you count the you know, Cone has one of six, who are essentially the same probably in abilities and such. And, you know, Skywarp has a cooler, you know, special ability with the warping. Like, what's Starscream's special ability? Nothing. But, like, just because of his in drive, like, he's only one of the Seekers that's basically put himself, like, so close to becoming the Decepticon leader, like, so many different times. And it's not because he's, like, super powerful or anything like that, you know? He's, like, pretty much just a Seeker like the other six. But it's just because of his drive and sheer force of will. Well, even in uh, Rid, there's a a point in the uh, I think issue 16 where he goes up against Turmoil, who's a big badass motherfucker. And he's like, Turmoil, do you ever wonder why I was the leader of the Seekers? It's not because you're a better fighter than me. And he cleaves his head in half. Starscream is skilled. He has abilities. He uh, I love play, He plays a coward, but he's really fucking good at what he does. I love that line he gives, he hits turmoil with where, he, where he's like, you know, here's the thing about opportunists. Don't show them opportunities, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's like, call me a coward again. It's like, you know, Starscream is not someone who has, like, all these powers. Like you said, like Skywarp. But he's he he knows his his chance. He sees these spots where he can take an opportunity. Uh, I th- uh, I'm going to reference more than ECI. There's a, a quote from, I think, a Micromaster. is like, not everybody can be Starscream. Why would you even try? There's people who respect Starscream in the Decepticon ranks as far as the mythos. And that's because Starscream does shit you can't do unless you're fucking Starscream. And that's why the character is so, you know, endeared and like, you know, very, very, very beloved by a lot of fans. Well, I think that's why I kind of bring up the the idea that, to me, when I look back at it as, you know, Megatron and Starscream's relationship as an adult, I do think of it as a father and son relationship because there's there's a lot you can get away with by being someone's blood and being someone's son. You know, you can do a lot of nasty things, unfortunately, to family members, and they end up forgiving you because they're like, but you know what, he's he's my son, he's my blood, like that kind of thing, and, and they don't get instantly blown away. Just like Mike brings up Loki as, a, you know, a trickster and a god, and you're like, well, why didn't they fucking banish Loki's ass 10 million years ago? Why didn't they kill the son of a bitch? You know why? Because he was their son, you know, he was, you know, it's like there's all these like little sort of moral, ethical, you know, trivialities that, that somebody had to adhere to. And, and, and that, you know, is work to that character's defense, you know, just like yeah. you said, don't don't provide me opportunity because I will take it. You know, don't don't be like, oh, well, I don't know. I don't know. And you'll be like, you're right. You don't know. So you should keep me alive. 
Yeah, like Megatron sees 90% of things that he would love to kill by Starscream and just get rid of them. It's in the spotlight, you know. It's like He's like, I should kill you now. But there's that 10%, maybe even 5%, where it's like, if I die, if I get destroyed, you're going to be the guy who's going to be the Decepticon leader. You know, he sees that potential, and that's that's all that really, you know, defines Starscream. He, he, he is... The heir apparent. You cannot deny that as far as the character base. He has that motivation. He has that, like, drive why people write him really well. Like, I like, I, I really like how Reed has written him. People get on Red all the time, but Mike will agree. I mean, you know, like, Starscream is the best written character in that series. What do you call it? John Barber really seems to like writing him. He's like a major character in almost every issue. So, yeah, you know he he's he's got the you know he's got the he's got the push. He's got the oomph. You know, it's like you don't. He's got he's got the fangirls. Yeah, he's got like he's got the same fangirls that Loki has now. Yeah, you don't you don't want to root for the guy, but you you got to root for the guy. Yeah, you 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 have to like that asshole because. You love to hate him. That's that's the best way to put it. You love to hate Starscream. Treat me like dirt, baby. Exactly. Treat She's like, like I can save him. He's so he's so duplicitous, but I can save him. I'm gonna I'm gonna dress him up in a suit and <laughs> make him go straight. I can make him pretty. He'll be pretty and be everybody I want him to be. Yeah, exactly. Nice. All right. Starscream. All right, so we're going to move on because then we'll talk about Starscream all night. We're going to move on to Streetwise. Streetwise is an Autobot, part of the subgroup Protectobot. Shut your mouth. His function is Interceptor. His first appearance is Transformers issue number 24. His quote, you have to know where you are before you know what to do. What do you call it? in the in one of the the in, when they did the G two themed uh, um, botcon like Streetwise was one of like the the toys and like they wrote, wrote him in the comic to be John Shaft basically so it's like you know Streetwise shut your mouth you know <laughs> you know you know, what's really, you know what's really weird about Streetwise when I read him and when I see him in the comics the only thing I see is Prowl in the fucking making. Well, he's basically like a beat cop, so, you know, he's... Yeah. Prowl's probably more of a, like, police chief or something. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, it's kind of like that same thing, though. It's like, you know, like, streetwise! Streetwise! Yeah, he's going to get to that level. Damn right. It's like first aid and ratchet. We need to have, like... (laughs) We need to have like the shaft theme running yeah. under this, and then the whole, <laughs> the whole, the whole time we're talking about it. So. All right, I, I'll, I'll do it really quiet. Streetwise, please be cop. He knows what he's doing. He's gonna take down the bad guy. <laughs> Ooh, shut him out. No one talking about Streetwise. <laughs> I like Streetwise. He's probably. I think he's my favorite protective bot. Like thinking of all five of them. I like. I did like when like. Despite the fact that we rag on Mike Costa's run on Transformers and stuff, I did like when they paired him with Prowl and like made them like sort of partners and stuff. But I think that's where I get that from because they did pair them for a while, and I was like, 
they worked. Well, they, they kind of, yeah, they, well, they, they kind of, they kind of made Streetwise like the dumb rookie or something. But yeah, yeah, yeah. he, he, he's, he's, I mean, you know, I don't know if he's forged cold or, uh, you know, like. Good fucking, job. Make the guy named Streetwise the dumb rookie. Yeah, exactly. Wait, yeah. Like, wait a minute, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Excellent but. writing. Well, no, I mean, I mean, you know, all the good names are taken, Derek. <laughs> and all the good writers are writing something else. I guess his name was Street Dumb, then, like... <laughs> <laughs> street Dumb. His, his name, name was Street Fool. His real name was Path Stupid. I don't know where I'm going. But, you know, I mean, I, I agree with Mike. I do love the Protect the Bots, and, like, he, he is a really cool character. Yeah, I like him. All right, moving on. We are now on Sunstreaker. Sunstreaker is an Autobot. His function is Warrior. His first appearance is Transformers number one. His quote is, You got some dust on my Shillenium Shin Guards. I mean, his quote is, They can't beat the best. I'll let Mike take over on those. I like Sunstreaker. I mean, like, I think he, I like, I enjoy the part of his profile where it says, like, he's a sociopath and stuff. Like, a, I don't know. I think he's kind of interesting in that way. And, like, I don't know if I like, like, his whole, like, again, yeah, like, the whole vanity, like, thing that he, they often do with him. But I like the, like, if, if they, I guess the Dreamwave comics did it pretty well where he's got, like, sort of an attitude problem. But, you know, other than that, you know, he's pretty he's pretty standard, I guess. I've always disliked him, like in every form he's appeared in thus far. <laughs> like I thought his toy was stupid. I didn't really like him in the G one cartoon. And then like the headmaster suicide thing, that was all weird. So <laughs> I don't know. I guess there's just never been a good presentation to me of Sunstreaker, either as a character or really as a toy, so not really fond of him. Well, Holy Spotlight is pretty decent. He's actually not too bad there. But, uh, yeah, the IDW thing kind of fucking pissed me off a little bit. Because he's supposed to be this badass. Okay, you're going to make him headmaster. I was actually okay with the headmaster thing. I was okay with the Hunter Onion thing. And I was like, you know, okay, whatever, that's cool. Headmaster. And then he's like, Betray myself, kill myself on the bridge. Well, then, like, once it came to, like, All Hail Megatron, they turned him into a Linkin Park song, so, you know. Yeah, like, that, uh, it's like, I mean. Crawling in. Yeah. <laughs> My <laughs> head was once a ginger kid. Hi. <laughs> 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 Hurts me so bad. Like, I got yeah. on my <laughs> Yeah, they they miss so many opportunities with them. And it's like they like I, I hated the headmaster thing where they went with it at the at the beginning. I was okay with it, but it's like, god damn it! No, see, like I understood what Furman was doing with it because. Like, like he said, basically, he's like, Sunstreaker is the, like, one character who would least want to be in that situation, which is why I did it. Like, yeah, I, like I, like, I like the beginning of it. Just, yeah. But then, like, obviously, like, once it, 
Shane McCarthy took over, he was probably like, you know, what, Sunstreaker wasn't a headmaster in G1, I've got to undo this. And then, like, he, when he changed his plans to, like, make Sunstreaker the traitor in that storyline, he's like, well, maybe I can use that headmaster thing to, uh, even though I've disowned it, and, like, this is supposed to be a soft reboot that doesn't mention anything from the previous story, but now I have to use this element to get me out of this hole I've written into myself into, so... I don't know. I, I look at it this way. Um, the the picture he looks at me like he's going, why the fuck is Bob a more interesting character than me? <laughs> oh, yeah, he's got his little pet Insecticon now on the yeah, list. Who, yeah. yeah, who is even more interesting than him. Man. It's just like, Sunstricker, I like you, boy. You're a cool guy. I like your toys, but... Well, not your first toy, but your classic toy. But, yeah, he went down to Shitter. <laughs> I like his classics toy, so yeah. I, I don't. I don't think his like his original toy is kind of ugly, but like I like I think his classic toy is pretty cool. Yeah, his original toy. The the biggest problem with the classics, uh, not the classic, but the original toy, which Brian can totally affirm, his fucking arms hang almost to his feet. Yeah, his long ass monkey arms. <laughs> <laughs> Is is a it's not a pretty toy. Ugh. And like I love Kuntosh's too, basically because of Transformers, but even like the car mode of his toy is like a really crap representation of a Kuntosh. Oh yeah, it's all boxy and shit, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's Sunstricker. Way to yeah, yeah, fuck it up. <laughs> Alright. Moving on from Sunstreaker and his Selenium Shin Guards, we have everyone's favorite Autobot combiner, because we've Heat so much praise on him. Superior. <laughs> Superior is an Autobot. His subgroup is Aerial Bot. His function is Warrior. His first appearance is Transformers issue number 21. His quote is To live is to fight. To die is to stop. And apparently he stopped after Circuit Breaker pooped on him or whatever. I always felt bad for Superior. He wasn't doing anything. And she just, like, unloaded on him. So. I'm sorry, Superior. I'm sorry. I think my only uh, quote for Superion is uh, in the one G one episode where he goes, Omega, <laughs> Omega. Yeah, I, I just don't like. It Superion. seems like they can never decide where the planes go. Like when he combines, like like <laughs> who goes where. Like some, the most of the the combiners have a set pattern as to who goes where. But Superion, it's like they mismatched them all the time. Well, I mean, even look on this like uh, fucking. Uh, Representation that like the the left arm has dark wings. It looks like yeah, it's supposed to be air raid, but uh, it doesn't like the plane kibble doesn't look right. I guess. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, and and I the, he always like they always made it look like he had a gun built into his left arm. Too. Yeah, and then the cartoon always like looked like he had a like a straight casted arm or something. Yeah, like he never yeah. bent it, which looked goofy. I will shoot you. And again, like I said, in the the friggin' toy, that legs were horrible. <laughs> he had those like little thin like silver bolt leg stalks like plugged into his real legs, so they About were thirty pretty... stories high. Yeah, exactly. I'm tall. <laughs> I, I, you know, the sad thing is, is like his biggest crowning achievement was in fucking Dreamway when he was in that little fucking uh. Storm Mini series. He saved Orion Pax. That's a pretty big achievement. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. That, that was cool. But he got ripped in half by Prowl. 
by Prowl. My boy rips fucking Superior in half. Oh, the, the Dev- Devastator Prowl, yeah. Yeah, Prowl Stator, yeah. Now, I was thinking of the stupid, the stupid thing in Dreamwave comics where he flew head on into a nuke. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Holy shit, man!" Like, like, even if that's your plan and like you're willing to sacrifice yourself to stop a nuke, why not just use one of your arms or one leg so you still have four of you still alive? Should have just kicked slingshot at the nuke. Slingshot, we need you at forty pattern stat, and then they all take off. <laughs> Like an act sacrificial lamb plan, you know? <laughs> like, go, Slingshot, go! Slingshot operation, fuck off. Slingshot just unwillingly, like, separates from Superion and Superion rockets out of there. What are you guys doing? Because he looks like a Decepticon, goddammit. Oh my god. No, uh, just just for another plug, just for, actually for outside like in revenue, you should look up fans projects add-ons for the Superior model from the Energon. Uh, was it uh, Jet Storm? No, Stormjet mode, and you can get those online, and you can make a better Superior than the one in G1. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, it makes the toys actually decent. Like the weird thing was like both with the. Uh, were they called the Combaticons and Energon, or were they something else? I uh, think it was just like the combat team or something. Uh, like that. And, and, well, Energon, they were, they were uh, not Combaticons. They were the the combined form was Bruticus Maximus. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I remember if they had a team name, but it's not really important. But anyways, like uh, at the time, there was kind of a, a shortage of like quality toys. So I ended up buying both, like, the Aerial Bot and Combaticon, whatever they're called, sets. But then, like, they're so lackluster, I'm like, uh, I don't want to open these. So they, they just sat in storage until, like, this fan project, you know, these sets came out. And I was like, holy cow, i got to get these out. And, yeah, they're really cool. Um, they really add a lot to the toys. So there you go, I was, I, I was going to say, I do appreciate the whole, like, sort of weird time loop thing that the aerial bots are involved in in the cartoon that, like, okay, the aerial bots go back in time. Yeah, they we're on they, they save Optimus or Orion Pax. They bring them to Alpha Trion. Alpha Trion rebuilds Orion Pax into Optimus Prime. Optimus Prime becomes leader of the Autobots. Optimus Prime, what do you call, eventually goes to Vector Sigma and uh, what do you call to build the Aerial Bots. Mm-hmm. Like Alpha Trion sacrifices himself and merges with Vector Sigma to give the Aerial Bots life. Then the, the Aerial Bots eventually go back in time and start the the time loop again, basically. Yeah. And then later, in season three, Superion saves what's his face, the the past Alpha Trion when he comes through that like time warp, the eight when, when he A three, I think. Three. Yeah, yeah. So like I always thought that was kinda cool and like subtle, like almost. Mm-hmm. When they're not Superion? being afraid of heights, they're saving time. They're they're when they're not being afraid of heights and being total like losers, you know, <laughs> that the aerial bots are involved in like, you know, awesome time loops. I think you just made a brain hurt. God damn. <laughs> what, it's it's two concurrent circles of time. Alright. <laughs> Moving on, yeah. if anybody's been with us for this long, uh, you know, rest assured, uh, we're almost nearing the end. This is going to be our last entry for the evening. 
This is Swindle. Swindle is a Decepticon. His subgroup is Combaticon. His function is Munitions Expert. His first appearance is Transformers, issue number 24. His quote, make deals, not war. Man, Swindle looks awesome. I totally want his toy. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Oh. Actually, I will say uh, two things real quick. First of all, Combaticon is probably the best con uh, suffix after any name ever. Combaticon. Come on, Combaticon. Uh, no, I, got, I love Combaticon. That just sounds so angry and like, I will kill you and shit. And second of all, Swindle is probably the best realized character out of all these little tiny block figures that came with uh, any of the... Uh, Scramble City Combiners. I will say, yeah, like, Swindle is probably, like, a rare example of, like, being one of those guys who's probably more popular than his whole team or something, you know, as a, as a, like, character on his own. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he kind of, he, he's kind of like a Starscream light in a way, you know, he's always wheeling and dealing and, you know, even in the cartoon, he kind of had that, hey, hey, I'm going to go get you some, some Energon ships if you come with me and get me some Selenium Shin Gods, eh? What do you think? <laughs> what do you think? What do you say? What do you say? You know, and you're just like, oh, okay. You know. And as he, as we mentioned way back when we talked about Brawl, uh, his character model here, his chest is completely made up. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like, it looks like he's got his Jeep. Uh, f- front grill is his crotch, and he's got a windshield on his chest. Neither of which the toy has. So yeah. you know, yeah, no, no headlines. Yeah, his chest was actually the under <clears throat> of his his jeep mode, and then the the windshield was actually in the back. So yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, like the whole front flipped over into the back. Yeah. I was always kind of pissed off that his gun didn't actually like attach to his arm, like the toy at least. Like I yeah, thought, he didn't hold it. Like, yeah, he didn't have yeah, the Megatron fusion cannon. Yeah, I think I think uh, I don't know if it's a missed opportunity or whatever, but I think it would be fun if somehow Swindle could have somehow gotten into the mix on the Lost Light, because then he'd be like a, you know, a Quark type, you know, a uh, uh, sort of. You know, some some yeah. kind of wheeler dealer that that you know, yeah, he's a Decepticon, but also he'd be like, hey, uh, you know, Swerve, I can get you these units or whatever if you, you know, get me this and that because Cyclonus is looking for uh, this and blah blah blah. Yeah. So, well, well, well I, he's a he's a nail now, kind of in red, right? Yeah, he he what do you call he he renounced his allegiance, I guess. But I guess yeah. I guess he wouldn't work on the lost light because he dicked over Rodimus in that first yeah. arc. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is, like yeah. ongoing. So yeah, how you doing, Rodimus? Here's fucking Minotaur. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was exactly like that. In fact, he was like, "Hey, Rodimus, here's fucking Minotaur. Fuck you." <laughs> that was the exact dialogue from the comic. Uh, oh shit! That didn't work out so good. God damn it. Uh, but no, but no, no. Swindle. I mean, <clears throat> I think uh, I can't remember the episode, but it was season three. Um, the transformation cog episode. The one where Swindle had to give the transformation cog out of it. Oh, <laughs> the, the first aid episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Very it was exciting. also a Swindle episode too. 
Well, he stole the transformation card from Metroplex, and he's like, yeah, there, oh, it's there, like I never met a Transformer who wouldn't fight for his life. You know? Yeah, yeah. First date is like, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll die for this. <laughs> but no, I mean, I mean, like, you you didn't really get that a lot from the uh, combiners, you know? It's like, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, I like Swindle. Swindle. I mean, like, okay, let's let's go a little bit more like non. More than BCI or red, but fucking Ultra Magnus's spotlight, his like you know little like antagonist was Swindle. Yeah, you know. It well, I said like I said, like he's he. It seems like he's more popular than his team as a whole. Yeah, pretty much. He, he he's 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 got the swagger. He's kind of like well, it's like a, I kind of felt bad and like. Uh, uh, fall of Cybertron that, like, you know, he just got, like, Steve Bloom's, like, stupid, like, canned, like, generic voice. And stuff. Yeah, yeah, that was, I, I was, I was kind of, yeah. the one thing about those games, I was kind of on Steve Bloom overload, like, with those games and the fact that he was doing Starscream and Prime and he did, like, five different voices in that Captain America video game I played. I was like, <laughs> enough with Steve Bloom, leave me alone. So. Yeah. Yeah, and Swindle is like you know, as I, th- I think what it basically boils down to is like when you have so few Decepticons who have personalities, especially in season three, you know, or even season two, you know, it's like because I mean, really, come on, Thruster, Dramjet, you know, like they they just all were tough talking guys, you know, it's like you know the Combaticons, eh, Vortex was kind of cool, you know, whatever. The even the even the Sonicons, you know, like, they didn't really have like interesting personalities, and you know you have like the guy who actually like you know throws out a voice, sounds really cool, and you know in G one is like that's really nice, you know you 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 get a feel for this character. He's like, you know, it's like he's not he's not a bad guy, but he's a bad guy. You know, uh, he's like, a he's a he's a wheeler dealer, you know. He he's yeah. he's looking for what what best fits his needs, but he's also trying to you know scam people if he can get away with it, you know. So. I like I like what it says is in his abilities section. He could probably sell oil to an Arab sheik if given the chance. Yeah, carbamia. <laughs> carbamia. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, you know, that's that's that's. that's the essence of a character that he couldn't like, he couldn't sell oil to Casey Kasem probably <laughs> right now Swindle's gonna sell me oil on the top well, Casey K- Casey Kasem would get all offended and like quit probably yeah. I'm no longer Cliff Jumper yeah but I mean I mean that that's what made Swindle really good it's like you know that's why I mean hell shit I think that's why he was a character in Transformers animated you know it's like you know, it was Fred Willard wasn't it yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was kind of weird, but still. Yeah, but yeah, it's like he 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 has a character. He has like a like a focal point. And you're like, do you want to hear Acid Storm talk about shit? No. Do you want to hear like fucking ransack from the Insecticon talk about shit? No. But Swindle, he, he he's interesting. He has a character, you know. It's not my fault, Megatron. This greed is built into my personality component. All right, so Swindle is the final guy, and uh, continuing our month-long 
overview of Transformers Universe. We've just wrapped up the third issue. Uh, please check back in with us if you want to listen to the continuing adventures of the fan holes and our exploits looking at all the various entries in Transformers Universe, uh, sort of like a de facto anticipatory celebration for the Transformers film coming up next week. So uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, if you have any comments, questions, concerns, uh, you know, angry, angry emails, happy emails, whatever, uh, you can send them to fanholspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, please continue to listen to the podcast. Uh, you know, we appreciate all the likes we get on Facebook, all the, uh, you know, write-ups we get on iTunes. Those are always appreciated. And, uh, you know, anytime you can send some positive feedback our way, we greatly appreciate it. And then uh, until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, signing off. Hey, this is Brian Breakdown. Mike Thunderwing. Tankar Tani. Police. Force! Slingshot is just awful. Awful. (laughs) (laughs) What's better, his baldness or the two pieces of toast he keeps on either side to keep his ear warm? (laughs) What? Those are Princess Leia um, cinnamon (laughs) buns, damn it. But they're square, so they're like Pop Tarts. So, booyah. Nice. Pop Tart ears, alright? Slingshot's awesome.